smell what the rock is cooking. And hello and welcome back to uh, Rock Starring. We never really determined a better name, did we? No, I, I think I like Rockstar. It's, it's a clever pun. Sure. Uh, hey, it's it's kind of cool. Okay. I like it. Mm. Uh, if you come up with a better name, we'll go with that. But for no, the meantime, we're stuck with it now, buddy. <laughs> if you hear any uh, crunching sounds, that's our dog. We gave him a bone to keep him quiet, and he is not being gentle to it. So, <laughs> not that we should expect it. Oh, it's fine. At least he's not barking. True, true. Uh, but today, uh, not to get too off track, we, we decided to watch the movie Doom, uh, which starring uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, once again credited as The Rock, on the cover this time. Yeah, and says, in the credits. Yeah, it says Carl, he's got, low, he's got second billing though. It's Carl Urban and The Rock. To be fair, watching that film, it really was a Carl Urban film. It really was. Uh, we'll, we'll which is actually a benefit. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's lay some groundwork on Doom. Uh, neither me nor Megan have played any of the Doom games. As far as I'm aware, there's only five. There's the original two Dooms, Doom 1 and Doom 2, where, which were the first-person action shooters. There's Doom 3. Then there's Doom 3, which came out in 2002, I think. And I only know that because it was, there was a documentary about it on the... Uh, oh, I knew about it before. Well, I knew of it, but I didn't know what year it came out. Off time, right? And then, then there was Doom 2016 yeah. and Doom Eternal, which it's, came out in 2019, 20, 2019. This year, yeah, the came most out this recent year. Doom came out this year. I didn't know if it came out like December or January. No, I think it came out just a couple of months. It came out during uh, COVID. Yeah, the, I know the that. lockdown. Okay. So at least I think it did. But that anyway, Animal Crossing, right there. <laughs> yeah, they were. I think they came out like the same week or something. That. Like it was a huge boom to anybody who likes video games yeah. in this lockdown. But in any event, not um, that it matters. <laughs> yeah, none of us, neither me nor Megan, have played any of the Doom games, so we have no prior love or affection for the Doom games beyond the respect of their existence. Mm-hmm. However, we do know the basic premise of the Doom games. We know what yeah. exactly they're supposed to be. I've watched some people play the 2016 yeah. one. So. Basically, they're supposed to, they're, they're, most of them, Doom 3 is the exception apparently, but most of them are high octane, run and heavy gun. Heavy metal. Heavy metal, run and gun. Tear that shit up. <laughs> yeah, heavy metal, run and gun time of action games. Um, which apparently gets a lot of credit for basically jump-starting the first-person shooter mm-hmm. genre. Uh, and in 2005, as uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's star was rising in Hollywood, he la- latched on to the lead character, or one of the two leads, yeah. in the Doom movie. They decided to make it a live-action film. Now, we've been on an interesting dur- journey yeah. with Dwayne Johnson regarding his films, because yeah. there are some film, make- film actors who get stuck in just comedies, or just actions. And, you know, I know Mark Wahlberg there for a while was known as the king of the remakes because he was in the Planet of the Apes remake. He was in Sucks. Like, he was in like 12 different remakes uh, during the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. And uh, the Planet of the Apes remake is the only one I remember off the top of my head. Yeah. And, um, but I know he was called that for a while. Mike Wahlberg was the king of the remakes. Dwayne Johnson, from the, the... Okay, we've reviewed one episode of a TV show he was in. Yeah. We've reviewed two original IPs, yeah. the, um, uh, the Rundown yeah. and Longshot. We've reviewed two sequels he was in, but not in the original movie, yeah. The Mummy Returns and Be Cool. 
We've reviewed a remake he's done. We've reviewed a remake he did, which was... Oh, uh, uh, Walking Tall. Walking Tall. And yeah. uh, in all this plethora, this is the first time he's done an adaptation, specifically an adaptation from a different genre. Yeah. In this case, or a different type of entertainment. A in video this, game in adaptation. This case, video game to movie. Um, it also shows him attempting, and I'm going to put that in quotations, attempting to stretch his acting talent, because up till now, he's been conclusively playing likable badasses or like, fun guys. Like, yeah, because, like, in Be Cool, he was technically a bad guy, but, like, he wasn't really. He, no, he was He, he was, was like, just sat down on his luck. I was thinking about this last night. In Be Cool, he is the crunk yeah. of that from The Emperor's New Groove, where yeah. the actual bad guy is... An asshole. Vince Vaughn's character. Yeah. Or in the case of the Emperor's New Groove, it's that lady uh, that he was serving. It, it, is Mira or something like that? I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah. But uh, Crunk is just the muscle. And same goes for Dwayne Johnson and Be Cool. He's just the muscle. Yeah. Um, he's just working for the bad guy in the hopes it'll eventually turn around and benefit him, which it never does. No. But he's not a bad person. Um, this is his attempt to play, at first, a more rigid, hard, military type that eventually, spoilers, evolves into the full-on villain of the film. And I could see where they were going with that, but yeah. we'll have to talk about exactly whether or not it gets there, which I personally don't think it does, but I we'll discuss either, it as we go but, along. You know. Yeah, and I mean no disrespect to Dwayne Johnson. I think it's partly just I know how nice a person he is in real life. Yeah. And partly the way he chose to project evil, I think, is a bad choice. But it again, was, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah. We'll get to that as we go along. So the premise of the Doom games, as I understand it, is that at some point in the not-too-distant future... You're on Mars. <laughs> we're on Mars, and they discover a portal to hell on Mars. As far as I know, there are no portals to Earth that involve yeah, hell I gates. I don't know if any of them play them. But I do know for a fact it involves actual demons and actual hell. Yeah. It is not anything other It's than, not metaphorical. It's not metaphorical. They are literally fighting demons in hell. And yeah. I remember when I was growing up and I did have friends who were big into Doom, the big pull of that game was you would continue fighting like you were... From what I understand, the end of either Doom 1 or Doom 2, because this was back when I was in middle school, so it was before the Doom 3, 2002... Uh, the premise of it was that the military officer who was left fighting demons, at the end of it, his job was to shut down the thing, the gateway, literally from the side of hell. So he trapped himself in hell. And you were able to continue playing the game after you finished that story, but the game consisted exclusively of killing demons until they killed you. Uh, which is an interesting premise. Again, I don't know how accurate that is. This is just secondhand information I remember picking up from when I was younger. But that's the reason I know it literally involves demons and hell. Yeah. In this movie, they tried to go a bit more metaphorical with it, but we'll start with the actual message in this film. So yeah, you the, go ahead and explain this one. Cause this one, yeah, this one's not hard. I, I think I did the last one. We tried to do the last tried one. Tried to do the last one. The last one had almost no consistent writing. It was. It broke my brain. It was a series of events, and that it was can a series work in of a movie. events that happened. Yeah, it can work in a movie. This one has a much more linear plot. The story opens with um, a Dr. Carmichael? Carmack? Carmack? Carmack, yeah. Uh, and a bunch of his associates are running, screaming through uh, an obvious sci-fi hallway. Yeah. Uh, very, See lots of those before. <laughs> very, okay, first things first. We should clarify before we go any further. This movie is highly influenced by Alien, because it's got the Alien designs yeah. uh, of the future tech. 
Uh, Resident right. Evil is a big influence. The movie, this. Like, like the movie, the definitely. Movie specifically. But also the fourth game, I'd say, mm-hmm. with some parts of it. <laughs> um, Alien vs. Predator, which came out a year before this, I feel its influence in this movie. And the last, uh, we had one other thing we said. The House of the Dead. House of the Dead. That Surprisingly. Was the, last one. The, the, the games, not the movie. Not no, the movie bowl movie. No, 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 no. The, the game. The, the, the successful games from every arcade ever. Okay, before I continue, I'm going to do a, a minor thing. This is obviously not an inspiration because this came out long after, but I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. I just finished replaying Mass Effect 3, as far as I'm going to play anyway. The ending sucks. Uh, for the <laughs> second time. Uh, and I also decided to watch the Mass Effect Paragon Lost movie. And the reason I bring it up is, look at the cover of the Doom, where you have the rock center stage and then two of his soldiers. One Carl Urban, one... That's the Destroyer. Destroyer's yeah. name of it. His yeah. Name. Uh, standing there shooting guns in the uh, pose. Now take a look at the cover of Paragon Lost, where you have James Vega right in the middle wearing a very oh, similar outfit. Wow, it's two ladies. literally the freaking same. <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is the two ladies are not firing guns, but they both have their mouths open in the ah scream. So are you implying that his associates Carl are Urban two hot ladies yeah. in the sky? And here's the funny thing. I haven't seen uh, Paragon Lost. The joke in uh, about that particular character, the, the one that Carl Urban's in the place of, yeah. is that she's incredibly sexy with huge boobs. Like the guy, the biotic in, in on James Vega's team is constantly trying to sleep with her, specifically because he thinks she's hot. Uh, <laughs> so, so James Vega, in, in the in the Mass Effect universe, James, uh, I'm sorry, in the Mass Effect universe, you James gotta Ve- use this as the cover. Yeah. <laughs> In the, in the Mass Effect universe, James Vega would be played by The Rock, and Carl Urban's character would be played by a hot chick with large boobs. <laughs> so, we all have that to look forward to in the, the eventual Doom Well, that took a swerve that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Uh, we also should mention there is apparently a Doom remake that doesn't star The Rock called Doom Annihilation, and Doom this movie, Doom, has a 5.2 on IMDb, and it was released to theaters... In 2005, and we tend to hold theater movies a little bit higher standard. Doom Annihilation was released direct-to-video October of last year, and it has a 2.6 on IMDb, which means it's Ouch. probably not a good movie. Ouch. Ouch. Like I said, you go ahead and summarize it, and then I'll say my thoughts yeah. on it. Cause well, you want me to do the whole story, or just the basic outline? Just basic outline like we've always done. Okay, well, I just... <laughs> Alright, so the premise is that the movie opens with... Uh, something being released. It's it's straight sci-fi out of hallway. In a sci-fi hallway and a bunch of uh, engineers running, and it's so uh. yeah, it's so <laughs> Resident Evil. It's it's insane. The Resident Evil movie because it, it, they literally do the the uh, the closing door elevator thing from Resident Evil One, where they have in Resident Evil One they have that lady when the entire base is gassed by the AI that runs the place. Uh, the uh, what they call it, the the, the beehive, the hive, yeah. uh, is gassed or killed. Everybody's locked up and killed. Um, uh, they, they A bunch of people are trapped in an elevator, and the smallest woman in the elevator tries to get out. They crawl in, the doors open, she manages to make it out the door, and then like the elevator gets activated and it cuts her head off, although we never see it. In this case, a lady is trying to get through a door that the Dr. Carmack has closed, and she gets her arm through, and then the creature that was chasing them like lifts her up and like her arms jerking around until it gets severed and it's straight out of Resident Evil. It's just slightly more gory because yeah. we actually get to see the severing as opposed to cutting away at the last second. Yeah, yeah, it it was gross. I'll give it, it that. 
but it also was kind of ruined because, like, you could definitely see the CGI of the time. Oh, yeah, the, the arm in particular was like, very CGI. I, 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 I want to give this movie credit because, yes, there are some CGI dumb moments mm-hmm. that are pretty obvious, but they do also have some actually pretty good practical effects. Yeah, there's, and, and props to the... We got the unrated extended edition, which means we got the boobs, which was wonderful. We, but anyway... I don't care about the boobs. I can't... That's the only thing that made it unrated and extended. It wasn't the gore. There wasn't enough extra gore in this to justify it. No. But in my, in, the reason I bring it up is that this... All the extra features in this relate specifically to actual production shit. Like yeah. the making of either the Doom franchise in general... Yeah, the video game franchise. The video game franchise, it's just kind of a... I want to talk about the third game. Yeah, or it's specifically about uh, their their weapons training of the actors, or the practical effects, or the, the yeah. first-person shooter sequence, which was nice, because most, yeah. most extra features on Blu-rays nowadays, 15 years later, tend to be just, the movie was wonderful to shoot, and everybody got along on set, and the director's such a visionary. Everything was roses, and cherry blossoms, and honey milk, and, yeah, and nobody actually, everybody was giving each other blowjobs, it was <laughs> great. <laughs> nobody actually talks about the hard work of production, and that's what this one has, which is nice. Uh, but anyway, okay, so uh, the basic premise is after the lady's arm gets severed, the doctor managed to send out a message. That message is to warn that the, uh, what was the name of the base? Auroralis? Or- Orlias? The Ark? I don't remember. Well, the actual, like, Ouroboros was what the name of the base I don't freaking remember. Anyway, the, That's the, not important detail. The, the <laughs> space base, which is on Mars. Space space. Yeah, the space base, which is on Mars, has, a, has had a, a breach and lock everything down. And the government sent calls uh, Sarge, whose entire unit was about to go on vacation. They were about to take shore leave, yeah. uh, which could not be more cliche if they tried to have them literally five minutes. Like the 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 creepy guy in this that we'll get in, we'll get into a rundown of all the characters in a minute. But the creepy guy in the group literally says the transport's five minutes late, so the call must have come in literally minutes before they were supposed to leave. Yeah. And there were no other teams they could have sent to this. They had to send Sarge and his and, and his, and unit. his surely unit buddies. Like, <laughs> the, the 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 creepy guy even says that they've been like without surely for like like two six months, months, six, six months, months yeah. which is a long time to go without some kind of break. Yeah, it, yeah, that's generally what happens in the Navy. My dad would go away for six months at a time and then mm-hmm. come back for about two weeks. Yeah, but these were Marines. Yeah, but my dad was in the Navy and Marines are part of the Navy. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I'm just saying... I'm just saying I know. <laughs> I'm just saying it could not be more cliche. Like, yeah, it was. It, was, it, was it, really it could not cliche. be more cliche if it was like five, one of them was five days from retirement. Like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of a cliche. This is going to be my last mission, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, we do have a kid who's on his first mission yeah. and should not be part of a special forces team if he's this is his first mission. They should have gotten someone who knew what he was doing. Because yeah. when his sergeant walks in, he's reading a comic and doesn't like care that much until Sarge calls him out and I'm like he's a trained marine I don't care how young he is if he's at a boot camp he would stand the moment his sergeant walked into the room well, to be fair, all these guys were really fucking casual when their sergeant ran in. Most of them stood up, though. Like, yeah, that's Most true. of them stood up. He didn't. He stayed on his bed and re- looking at the thumbing through the comic. That really yeah. bothered me. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Sarge gets called in. Him and his unit are supposed to go to Mars uh, through the portal, yeah. uh, which it has a special name in this, but I'm not going to remember what it is. 
the Galaxy Quest portal. Yeah, the Galaxy Quest portal. <laughs> and, um, they're supposed to investigate and find out what happened. There are six scientists uh, that need to be rescued. Uh, Dr. Carmack is one of them. Mm-hmm. And there are um, there's some data that needs to be downloaded. And we might as well go through our main characters now uh, so we can cover all of them. There no. are a grand total of ten if you stretch the definition of characters. Yeah. Because um, I might least, have a hard time with all the names. At least four of them. Well, three of them were, were basically just names. Yeah. Okay, so you had... Uh, we'll start with the non-military characters. Yeah. There is uh, Sarah Grimm... Who Who's is, Sarah? Isn't that her name? No, it's Samantha. Samantha. Samantha Grimm, yeah. who is uh, one of the military guy's uh, sisters. Yeah. And she is the daughter, as is he, the military guy we'll get to in a minute. That's mm-hmm. Carl Urban's character. Yeah. Uh, the daughter of the original dig site people at this site. Apparently Earth found in 2026, so only a few years from now, a portal connecting Nevada to Mars. And their parents were part of the original team, and the original team eventually got killed in, a, in an avalanche. Yeah, apparently. an accident or some sort. An accidental avalanche. So Carl uh, Urban's character turned his back on science, even though he's a smart guy. Samantha dove headfirst into doing the same work. Yeah. She is on it, and her job is basically to be exposition and to scream a lot. Yeah. Uh, the other main character that is not a member of the military is Pinky. Uh, Pinky is a scientist who is on Mars who runs the uh, the portal, and apparently it doesn't always work because Pinky at least lost, early on at least early on because Pinky lost both of his legs and he now has a CGI wheelchair Thing. cyber wheelchair thing, which actually looked kind of cool in design. I like yeah. that look, uh, but I can't say it was it. It, it I made did, a joke about his ass being somewhere else. Yeah, it was a little offensive, but I understood it. Yeah, Pinky's an asshole. But uh, I actually kind of liked him. I feel bad that they treated him so shitty throughout the <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, they really did treat him like an like shit. <laughs> well, we found out in the movie that he's genetically evil, but we'll get to that. <laughs> you're spoiling things, Eric. It's a 15-year-old movie. If you haven't, you're not. If you're if you're listening to our podcast before you watch this movie and have you're hearing a man it, who would become genetically evil right here. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, if you have any interest in watching this movie and you're listening to our podcast before watching it, you've had 15 years. I don't feel bad. <laughs> Pause we, right now. Go watch the movie. I guess if you want to, <laughs> yeah, it, it earns its five point two rating. I would say it's just above average, but only by point two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I still. Oh, by the way, anybody who's wondering because I was talking about Doom for a bit, interested in what I whether or not I would like it when I got back to it. I like it as much as I liked it back then. Like, <laughs> my, my opinion has not moved one iota in either direction, which is to say it has an interesting premise, and I like some of the performances. But the movie itself is just a waste. Yeah. I was telling Megan, if this movie had not been released to theaters and called Doom, if it was called, as you said, Gene 24, and was was released straight to the Sci-Fi channel, it would probably be counted as one of their best movies ever. Yeah, the CV (laughs) channel would be above Ghost Shark. (laughs) Yeah, one of their best movies. Let's be honest, they don't have a lot of good movies on Sci-Fi. No, they have a good show or two here and there. But but this because movies, nah. But it would have to be the exact same level of production and effort. Yeah. Same actors, everything. Uh, yeah. But for a theatrical movie based no. on a lo- beloved game it franchise, it feels so really damn cliche. Like yeah. you asked me at the beginning, okay, who? What do you think's gonna happen to these characters? I'm like, okay, that guy's gonna die. That guy's gonna die. And I'm like, maybe. And then you're like, yes or no? Yeah, he's gonna die. Yeah, he's gonna record, die. Everybody I'm about to list, with the exception of. 
the rock she thought was going to die to one extent or another. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that includes Carl Urban. Okay, so that's our non-military guys. Okay, I didn't think guys. he was going to die. Yes, he was the maybe. He said maybe he I died. Said maybe. I said maybe. pick one. You said, okay, he'll probably die. No, that was the black guy. No, well, okay, but you said maybe. You, you, were, you were leaning towards he was probably going to die. Because this is very early in Carl Urban's career. Yeah, true, but also, like... I, and this movie was... I, was t- I remember the advertising for this movie being all, The Rock is in doom. So we're like, no one's going to kill The Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprise. I've never <laughs> seen the movie, so I think I did a... I think an 80% success rate is pretty good. Well, not only that, it's hard not to guess who's going to die in this. It's pretty cliche. <laughs> it seems like most of them don't have a character. <laughs> so what we have here, those are the, we covered the non-military personnel. The uh, remaining eight personnel, I will go from least character to most character as I saw it. First is Mac, who is the Asian guy, whose entire character seems to consist of having a long Asian name because his one line in the movie is about his name being a long Asian name. They just call him Mac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, okay. <laughs> That's rude. So the second character with the least development, I would say, is Destroyer. Yeah. He's the, the big black guy with the big Gatling gun. Who's just... He's just a cool guy. He's just a cool guy. <laughs> no, no real development. Uh, the biggest shock with him was when we saw his training video, his accent was completely different. Like most His of the accents, voice is completely different. Yeah, he, he dropped his voice, I'm guessing, an octave or two, and his accent seems to be more British. Yeah, he sounds... We should... Probably like yeah. He, Samantha is the only character in this that has a British accent, and she and not and the funny like, thing is, you can tell she, Yeah, she's <laughs> trying to like change her accent to be American, but it sounds messed up. Like it, well, you can, she it just breaks came across it. As British to me. Yeah, she broke her accent broke all the time, which happens sometimes when actors are trying to sound American. Mm-hmm. Like, and the ironic thing is, they could have had her keep her accent, and then had Carl Urban keep his natural accent and they still would have sounded like Yeah, you could have just argued sibling. that they were that they were tra- like, like, like that Carl their Ur- parents were British. Their parents were British but grew up in America. Yeah. And that's why Carl Urban was able to join the military. Hmm. Uh, you could make the argument that their parents were British and Samantha having her accent and Carl Urban not is another another level to their embracing and rejecting of their parents' history. You could do a lot of things with that, but they instead tried to have them both have American accents and yeah. the lady just... Carl Urban can do a decent American yeah, accent. Yeah, he sounds great. He always sounds... Mm-hmm. So, like an American, but her, she she didn't. <laughs> she sounded, uh, I was like, the entire time, I'm like, isn't her accent weird? Uh, the next least, I would say, this is number three of eight, I would say is uh, Goat or Duke? Which do you think? Uh, I'd probably go Goat, because he yeah. dies sooner. So Goat, whose entire character consists of being religious. Yeah. Particularly Catholicism, I believe, because he's actually cuts himself whenever he, like, he does the... He self-flagellates. He self-flagellates, but he does it through cutting himself. Um, Which is gross. <laughs> then Duke, whose entire character consists of being horny and wanting to sleep with Carl uh, Urban's sister. I think he has a little bit more developed because he actually has lines later on. He, but... he, his development relates entirely, not related to Samantha, relates to his relationship with Destroyer, because apparently the yeah. two of them grew up together. But they didn't really explore that all that much. No, they just, like, we grew up together, and then, oh, no, don't die. Yeah, not until <laughs> Destroyer was gone that I even see it. Yeah. Uh, and then probably, what what was the name of the creepy guy? Was it Portman? Portman, yeah. Portman is... These are all the nicknames they have. I don't remember their well, actual Well, I'm guessing Portman's real name was Portman, because that isn't much of a nickname. But um, Portman is just a, a sick, creepy... 
SOB. Yeah. Like the kind of guy that makes you just want, like, if you're around someone, like, you work with someone like that, he just makes you want to take a shower every five minutes you're around him because everything about yeah. him is sleazy. Yeah. Uh, after that is probably the kid um, who is mm. the Who's... newest kid, the newest member of the group and who yeah. doesn't really act. He, he His entire character consists of being new yeah. to military life. This was his first mission. They make it a point of saying that. Uh, and I think that's, what, the, first, the five? Yeah. Duke, Destroyer, Mac, Kid. Portman. Portman, so that's five. Goat. Goat. So, yeah, so we're down to... And then it's Carl Urban and... Um, the Rock. Uh, Sarge. Uh, Carl Urban's character is Reaper. So named because his last name is Grimm. And, uh, creative. Um, creative. And then Sarge, Dwayne Johnson's character is Sarge. And... There really isn't much to... They get about equal levels of development. I would say of the two of them, the one that I think does a better job with it is Carl Urban by yeah. a significant margin. But, yeah. But they both have the same level of writing, in my opinion. They're trying to make both of those characters three-dimensional. But um, the only one that kind of reaches it through acting and even despite the lack of script is yeah. Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no offense to The Rock. No offense to The Rock. We, we love him. That's why we're doing this review. Yeah, it's why we're doing this entire podcast, but like, and just so we're this clear, wasn't his best role by far. No, I think this is probably his weakest outside of The Mugger. The <laughs> Mugger. And this is his only other villain role, too. <laughs> the Mugger. <laughs> give, me, give me money. What did he Give me say? your money now. And all we can know for sure is that he said now. <laughs> but he said now with conviction, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. But uh, I, would, I would say um, it's, it's just... It was like a backslide, really. Yeah, well, the thing is, I think Dwayne Johnson has, one, too much natural charisma to be likable. To unlikable, you To mean. be unlikable. Yeah. And, well, he is naturally likable. And yeah. two... I just don't think he knew how to project villain. Because we should clarify, in the start of the movie, it's very clearly set up that Reaper is supposed to be the more aggressive, hard person. Like, that's why his name is Reaper, is that he's supposed to be the more dangerous of the crew. And Sarge is his close friend, who's the more likable, responsible, but overall good person. Yeah. And over the course of the movie, they're supposed to switch roles, where because of he's coming out of his shell... Be facing his demons, he literally calls it that. Yeah, um, and meeting with his sister. And yeah, meeting his sister again is supposed to humanize him. Reconnect, make, yeah. re- reconnect with his old it's supposed life. to make you realize that Reaper is the kind of person who can do the hard thing but doesn't like it, and that Sarge is basically uh, um, Hannibal Lecter. Where he doesn't really have a moral compass. Yeah, he just has rules he lives by. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting dynamic, one that I would love to have seen done a little bit better uh, in a different movie. Yeah. But it's not, it, it's because it plays your conventions against itself. You assume this movie is going to boil down to either Sarge trying to save Reaper at the end and not being able to. Yeah. Or Sarge and Reaper back to back defending each other until they both get out alive. Yeah. The fact that they end up as adversaries is a surprise and an interesting one given the premise of the movie. Yeah, and the way that. The Rock is acting early on in the movie doesn't support his later development. Well, here's the here's honestly. the big thing. I was gonna say this for later, but I might as well say it now. I think the big problem with The Rock's acting regarding his dark turn is that he starts becoming more 
aggressive and head movie like when the head moving I mean yeah. like when the when he does his big speech at the end which we'll get to where he's telling the kid you follow my orders or no like the camera keeps zooming in on his face and he keeps going more and more intense with his head movements and like, and it's like raising his eyes the, I'm like this is cartoonish he's cartoonish <laughs> a, a, a truly evil person as demonstrated by Mads Mikkelsen when he plays Hannibal Lecter should get more calm and controlled like the moment because he doesn't have to project anymore. No. He doesn't have to project being... He doesn't have to hide who he is. Yeah, he's in a situation where, at the end of the movie, Sarge is has determined that... We'll get to this, but has determined that there's a viral outbreak, essentially, that could wipe out humanity. So the standing order is everything that must die, including the civilians. And his... His squad discour- discourages that, and... Especially considering um, Carl Urban's sister. Well, we'll get to the particulars of that in a minute, but I just mean, there's a debate, and I'm just trying to say regarding The yeah. Rock's performance then, it feels to me like he's trying to project going unhinged, mm-hmm. when in reality, he should be projecting less emotion as the story goes on. Yeah. So when he gets to that point where he's Not willing to angrier. shoot his... Yeah, so when he gets to that point where he's willing to shoot his own men... You, he doesn't react at all. It would shock you. Because I was expecting him to shoot the kid by that point because he was so, so... Yeah, twitchy. <laughs> I'm like, like okay. It, <laughs> like, it just, it felt like they went the wrong direction. They went to cartoon villain. This feels like a guy from Captain Planet at this point. <laughs> I will say, I would love to have seen Sarge performed by Mark, Mads Mikkelsen. That would have been an amazing I just, like, movie. want to see Mads Mikkelsen in, like, a lot of movies. Well, same here, but I'm just saying specifically... There's a good movie in this movie. I'm just saying, really as, mu- as much as I love <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, and as much yeah. as I love him in this movie, uh, or as much as I love him as an actor, I really do th- would love to have seen Mads Mikkelsen, someone I know can do villain and do it really well, yeah. even subtle villain. He really could do well. an entire film with almost no lines. Yeah, he could have projected a really interesting version of Sarge in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then, but... Like I said, I think it's just, it's a combination of, I don't know, this movie wasn't, this movie isn't what it is, it should not be what it is, and that especially applies to Dwayne Johnson cast as Sarge. You should not have asked Dwayne Johnson this early in his career to play somebody this villainous, because I just don't think he know. I just don't think he can do that easily. Especially since this is his first military character performance. And we've seen in other movies that he plays military officers like G.I. Joe Retaliation and, of course, the Fast and the Furious franchise. He can do it really well once he's comfortable with it. I think this is just kind of... But I did see, like, what he would do later on, honestly, in this. This just feels like a stepping stone to what his later characters Mm -hmm. would be. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and we'll we'll backtrack a bit to what we were saying about them being on Mars, and then we'll continue with the story, and then we'll talk about the genetically evil thing you were bringing up. (laughs) Because that does need to be discussed. It's Uh, so bad. <laughs> um, so first of all, when they get to uh, the, the premise of this, is so much easier to understand than be cool because it's very simple. They get to Mars. We get to Mars. We do a sweep of the three locations. There are three separate areas. One is genetics research. One is archaeology research. One is the armory research, weapons research. So Sarge splits up his people. He leaves Mac behind to guard the the portal back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Pinky. Yeah. And then he takes his people out, and he divides them up, and he sends one to each location. And uh, uh, Carl Urban's sister, Reaper's sister, goes with him to uh, the genetic research location where she's going to download the information. Yeah. And uh, 
I'm not going to remember all the pairings. The, the, the writer, I will say, did something interesting in this, which is that every time he split the group up, he tried to have a different pairing. Yeah. So we had a different reaction with their characters, which I thought was interesting. Different interactions. Yeah, which was interesting. It helped flesh them out a bit more than it would have been if they were just the same pairings every time. Yeah. Uh, but, so, but I'm not going to remember each individual pairing. Uh, I will say the first time they go out, they find almost nothing. They find pretty much no one. They find a couple of they find a bloody stump, and they find uh, Dr. Carmack, Mark Carmack, yeah. who is bloody and seems to be insane. Uh, he and, just rips his ear off. Yeah, he rips his ear off, and he's holding the bloody stump of that woman's arm, yeah. that one that got cut off in the door. And um, they go out. They find almost nothing, uh, and then they are. Attack, are they attacked in that at that point? I think they're attacked, right? Um, no, I think at one point they see something. Yeah. And then, like, they go back later to the genetics lab. Okay, so the first time through, when they were looking for everything, they, they find Dr. Carmack, they pull back to Like, the, the kid does shoot at something, but it turns out it's just... It was just a, a vent. A vent. Well, a, a, a steam pipe, I yeah. guess. Yeah. One of those sci-fi steam pipes. Which make no sense. Every facility and starship is run on steam, apparently. Because whenever <laughs> there's a battle, there's always a bunch of steam pipes that burst. I know. But anyway, um, but I guess, it, I guess it makes a certain amount of, If you assume that's high-pressure coolant meant to keep, like, the computers. But then why would it be okay if it burst open? Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so, um, so... The team breaks up, they go into all these locations, we get to see what each one of them looks like originally, more yeah. or less without any damage, particularly the, the animal testing area. Yeah. Uh, then they find Dr. Carmack, they pull back, then uh, to the... Uh, a medical... A medical wing, which is on the other side of a nanite wall. Yeah. And then, which we'll get to nanite walls in a second. Yeah. And then they go back out, differently paired, and when they're out this time, they're looking for the rest of the scientists, they get attacked, and Goat gets killed. Yeah, they they go back to like the genetics lab, which had all these animals in it, and then yeah, it's just bloody bloody now, and they shoot him, and then uh, the creepy guy and the kid go to the, uh, the the showers, and they see what they think is just a hot woman naked, and we get to see full boob and ass. So anyone who wants of to see a monster, that, well, they don't know she's a monster. Then the way they filmed it, you can't see her face. No, and then she turns around, and we see that not only is that the woman who's lost her arms, and she's got a bloody stump, she's got a monster face. Yeah, and they shoot her dead. Um. And then um, Goat is attacked and killed. And yeah. They manage to get him back to the medical wing, and they try desperately to save him, but yeah. it's just too late. They, they place him in, in a storage area for an autopsy, and they also bring back the monster that killed him, yeah. which the monster that killed him might have one of the unintentionally funny moments where it's in the dark. First of all, Goat is sent off on his own, and the whole scene we're wondering where Destroyer is, because Destroyer is not in the divided up. Yeah, group. he kind of disappeared. It's just so... He video just so glitched. Goat, he yeah. video game glitched out of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> just so we can have Goat by himself and be attacked. That's the only reason that Yeah, because they were in literally a sewer at, at like... Yeah, they were in a sewer level. They went to the sewer level, and we all know the sewer levels where you have to lose at least one of your party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the story. So they go to a sewer level, and um, they're walking around, and the party, they split up so that the kid is with Carl Urban, and uh, Duke is back at the the office looking after the doctor. Yeah. Mac is still guarding the portal. Um, Portman and... Uh, oh, what was the other guy? It wasn't Destroyer. There was someone else. 
Which other guy? There was another guy. Oh, Portman and Sarge went off by themselves. And then Goat specifically went off on his own. And he looks into the dark and he sees these two eyes that look like straight straight out of a, a... Oh, God, what's his name? Who's the guy that did Pan's Labyrinth? Oh, Guillermo del Toro. It's kind of a Guillermo del Toro moment where you see these two incredibly clear in the darkness eyes. Way too clear. It looks like an Alice in Wonderland moment. And then the guy goes, Dr. Willits, because they're looking for Dr. Willits. And then suddenly, like, six other eyes open right next to those two eyes, and then the thing attacks. And it's meant to be scary. But it looks kind of funny. It looks funny. It's it's bordering on creepy, but it's more funny than creepy, which is <laughs> not what the way, goal was. Because they overlit the eyeballs. Yeah, the eyeballs were way too lit up. Like, because human eyes don't light up like that. We should that. clarify something. The biggest problem I think we have with this movie... Is the lighting. Is the lighting. There's a lot of dark blue. Everything is dark blue lit, which is really unfortunate because dark blue blends in with black way too easy. And they were, I think they were going for, because we, we, we watched um, the documentary about Doom 3. They mentioned the game. They mentioned that the flashlight in that game is critically important because you need to have the flashlight up to see anything. But in order to fire your weapon, you have you to, to lower it. it. So you had to quickly switch back and forth between your weapon and your flashlight. And I think when they shot this, they were intending to have everything be more or less lit by, flash by flashlights on the gun. But they did they, the blue light is just bright enough to render the flashlight more or less useless, but just dark enough that you can't really see any of the details of what's going on around you. No, not at all. The whole movie, I was thinking, why wasn't this a dark red light? It would have made things look so much yeah, creepier. Yeah, we both were thinking the yeah. same thing. It would have made <laughs> things look so much creepier, and red counteracts with black a lot more easily than blue does. Yeah. So you would have seen a lot more detail. Plus, this, this entire station is supposed to be on lockdown, and red light is pretty much the universal, we're in trouble, put it on yeah, lockdown they're... mindset. Color yeah. lighting. It, it, like literally just like danger yeah in trouble quarantine it it's always red light and it would have added to the creepiness because there are a couple of shots where they do honestly, have a red light and it yeah is really honestly good. it was the set design also worked against it a little bit because i felt like it would have been better like creepier if it was more of a white color yeah if it was more pretty you you till yeah, I can't get the word out. Utilitarian. It's yeah, more, I'm sorry. More beautiful, what the 70s thought the future would look like. Uh, white gleaming walls. Yeah. And then you walk through in an area. There's blood everywhere. There's blood smeared on the wall. There's like body parts everywhere. That would have been much creepier. Yeah. And, uh, it also and this red lighting. Oh my gosh. Dark red. Yeah, dark red lighting that would have bounced really well off the white walls. It would have worked a lot better. You would see the blood a lot better. But they were going for an alien feel. I understand that's what they were aiming for. They wanted to look like the Nostromo. They didn't quite get there, but that's what they were aiming for. I know, but it seemed like the, the facility hadn't been around long enough to look like that. So. Oh, I agree. It's only supposed to be 20 years old, according to the, the, the opening commentary. Yeah, I, I, I just... It should look prettier than that. The Nostromo was supposed to be like 50 years old as a spaceship. Yeah, it was an old spaceship. It was so worn out. This is a brand new facility. It should look pretty. Mm-hmm. And parts of it did, like the embarkation area where you originally appear did look pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, but you don't ever really get to see that place blown up or worn out until the very end of the movie, like the rest of it. We were also saying that since this is an arche- partly an archaeological dig, and apparently humans, which we'll get to in a second because it's in the, the scene with Carl Urban and his sister, were, were on this yeah. planet, there should have been like a par- an underground city or an underground building that they had connected to. So they could walk into like, it. We could have walked it had through. Like a like a, like a dome. 
over yeah. it or something. Like they built a dome over part of the city and to you could walk study through it. it. Yeah, you could walk through it, kind of like have like a Pompeii kind of look to it, yeah. something like that. Um, and also, we were thinking, or I was thinking, that it would be really neat if this ancient culture embraced fire. Like everything about them was dark red, dark and bright reds and yellows, and a lot of their culture was built around the concept of fire as an energy source and a power source. Yeah. And given what we find out at the end of the story, it would have built into the idea, the mythos, that this is the hell of legend. Yeah. Um, it would have been annoying to a lot of Doom fans because we wanted to go to actual hell, but, but this would have at least been a logical explanation. For, it would have at least been more of a nod, I guess. Yeah, it would have been a more in-tune nod. It would have been using the mythos for its own benefit. Yeah. Uh, um, they didn't do that, so we get mainly yeah. just the same dark, dingy black walls everywhere yeah. and blue, dark blue lighting. Um, you can't barely, you can barely see what's going on. You like can, I said, this movie is so Resident Evil. It is so. Like there's moments. Two thousand two Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, yeah. Like there's moments where I think they're trying to establish how much space is in between each buildings when they show us the map, but they don't show us that again. So we have no clue where anybody is. Yeah, when we when I watched the Resident Evil movie, one of the things I never was lost on was where they were in regards to where their goal was. Mainly yeah. because they did the the 3D models of what the hive looked like, and then you'd see like the life signs in it, and then the camera would zoom in, and then it would become real, so yeah. you could actually see the people moving. And the idea is, in this case, at the very start of it, when they first go into the facility, you see a, a, a two-dimensional map where it shows all the different locations and the connecting bridges. Yeah. But that's the only time you ever see that. You never get a visual of them again no. in that facility wandering around. No. Uh, we might as well talk about the, the humans on this world now. Um, uh, yeah. Before we get back to the continuing of the story where Goat died from then on. So earlier, when this when the sister first showed up, uh, Samantha, yeah, uh, she said I have to download some information. And while she's downloading it, she's having a discussion with Carl Urban about their history, about Carl Urban's character, Reaper. how he had potential to be a really great scientist, and yeah. he actually seems to show that he's smart enough to have been, but yeah. he chose a different life because of what happened with their parents. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that. Um, there's there's a arguably in my opinion the best sequence in the whole movie is yeah. second best yeah because my best my favorite is the but we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> um, but my second best sequence in the whole movie is here where um, she is talking that there's a there's a case and in the case is a baby and human fossils yeah or humanoid fossils yeah the baby looks a little funky but yeah. well the idea is that both of them have a twenty fourth gene yeah they're which, genetically engineered yeah humans only have twenty three. So yeah. these, this particular subset of humanity had a 24th gene that was apparently bioengineered because they found older corpses that only had 23 genes. Yeah. And they want to know what this particular gene is. It was supposed to make, it apparently, based on what they learned, it made them superhuman. They yeah. were stronger, they were faster, they were no more disease. intelligent, no intelligent, uh, no intelligence. No, no disease, more intelligent. No, that's what happens to us every day. <laughs> they were more intelligent, and most notably, they, um... They, uh, oh, what was it? Were super strong. They could heal really fast. Yeah, that was they it. Could, that was the most important aspect. They had super healing, basically. Yeah, 50 times faster than a normal human. Yeah. Um, and so Carl Urban asks, and, and she's all excited through this discussion where yeah. she's talking about the potentials. And then Carl Urban looks at their corpses, which are she's situated like, How do you in a think way, they died? Well, it, yeah. let me set it up. In a way that, that where it looks like the older woman is 
protecting the baby. Yeah. Like her arm is up. And then he says, if they're so advanced, how did they die? And his sister says... Maybe it was their time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he says, you don't try to shield a baby from time. Yeah. And that was a nice way to establish the yeah. difference between their characters, where she says earlier in that scene, do you ever miss having to look, not being able to see the world through a microscope as opposed to a sniper scope? Yeah. And the difference is, that's their, that is entirely the difference of their characters. Mm-hmm. They're both intelligent, they're both capable, but she looks at the little, minute potentials. She looks at the, she the bigger picture. She looks at the microscopic. The, she doesn't see the individual. Yeah. Uh, and he is just looking directly at things. The, he, he, he has a more practical view. Yeah, he looks... He, looking through that sniper scope, he has immediately identified this woman died defending her child. So which is there's something, something that, wrong here. Yeah, which his sister never put together, I'm getting the impression, the entire yeah. time she was in there with him. She was more interested in the science of the nature. More interested in this gene. Yeah. So that's an interesting dynamic and well performed and de- definitely by Carl Urban. Carl Urban is the best part of this movie. Honestly, I hate to say that. I hate I, to say that because we're doing this for The Rock. Yeah, but he is just really good in this. Movie. He's really good, and I, I just he outshined everybody in this film. To be fair, he does it in a lot of his movies. Like yeah. the first two Star Trek movies, he was great. He was the best part of both. I mean, all the actors are doing their best. Yeah, but Carl Urban nailed it. Even in the people who don't like Star Trek 2009 and don't like Star Trek. Still think Carl Urban as Bones was amazing. Yeah, he's <laughs> great. He he's he's like if De, like he's and just like the new DeForest Kelly in those movies. It's great. And Into Darkness, same for that. People yeah. who don't like Star Trek in general, and also people who don't and also don't like Into Darkness, still think Carl Urban was great. Maybe. Yeah, and he was. <laughs> and this is really early in his career. He yeah. didn't have to put in all the work here, but he did. Yeah. And he's a consummate professional, and we love you too, Mister Urban. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, Oh, also, I can see shades of Carl Urban's character of Judge Dredd in this. Oh, yeah. As sure. well as Carl Urban's, just like we were talking about The Rock earlier, I can see Carl Urban's future character, The Rock's future characters yeah. being started here. Yeah. I can see the start of Dredd, and I can see the start of John Kennex yeah. from the Almost Human TV series, which is a tragically underrated show. If you've never seen it, watch it. It's only got one season, but it's worth it. It's a it. tragedy. That it's ended. Yeah, that it ended. If so you like quickly. Blade Runner, iRobot with Will Smith, or just any side Robocop. Sh- Robocop to a certain extent, you'll so, like so, this show. Yeah, it was interesting. It was really good. Set up a lot of stuff that never got to pay off, but still worth watching. But anyway, yeah. we're not doing a Carl Urban review. No. Um, <laughs> trying so, not to. Trying not to. But okay, so back to the story where Goat died. After Goat's dead, they go out for a second run. They find, That's, I think, where they find... The, the naked lady. Yeah. And they also find um, uh, another doctor in the, the animal testing where he's eating the, the ant lab test subjects. Yeah, yeah, they, eating rats. Yeah, well, he's eating all of them. That's where they yeah. all went. He ripped them all out and ate Yeah, them. but when they catch him, he's eating a rat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they kill him, yeah. and then uh, they chase down into... Um, where do they go after that? The sequence is the sequence order is a little rusty well, here. It's not that well. First of all, we have to take a, a break. So, yeah. um, but in any event, after that, I believe the next thing that happens is, um, oh, uh, uh, they determine that the reason they go back out isn't just to find those scientists. Yeah. It's because The Rock and Carl Urban's character wonder if something might have come in from outside, uh, yeah. from on the planet's surface. So they go out to lock down the doors, the dig site and the airlock. 
Yeah. And while they're out, Mac, who has been ordered away from the uh, the Ark teleporter, and they just left Pinky, the crippled guy with no military experience, in with charge. Three grenades and like and a gun, gun and a <laughs> pistol, and expected him to hold the line. Uh, <laughs> Which what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, he heads. Uh, Mac gets his head just cut off. Like he gets smacked. And he hit. gets killed. Almost immediately, the moment he leaves that area, and I'm like, "Oh, I I was expecting him to die in that beginning area, mm-hmm. but you know, I was almost spot on with him being the first to die, <laughs> well, second, second to die. Second you know, guy. he 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 died really quickly. I should say, of all of the nondescript characters, like the ones that don't actually get, aside from Carl Urban and The Rock, basically, uh, the only other one I thought was legitimately interesting was Goat, because yeah, but mainly because of what happens in a second, and I'll explain yeah. that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so Mac dies, and then um, Sarge told Destroyer and Portman to stay by a door. And Portman has been arguing up to this point that he wants reinforcements called in because they've lost one of their men, and yeah. this thing is full of monsters. And I have to say, even though I don't like Portman as a person, I kind of agree with his argument. <laughs> uh, I would want reinforcements, too. Uh, but So he pretends he has to go to the bathroom. He goes to... The toilet, he makes a, a call for reinforcements. Which apparently never did anything. No, it was not. Ama- the only reason, the only effect that has on the story is this. Where while he's away, Destroyer is attacked by the biggest of the monsters. Yeah. And there's a really goofy fight where Destroyer It's so is, cheesy. It's so Matrix. Yeah. This Destroyer is, seems like a real badass in it. Yeah. Even if he loses, but... Well, he does, like, flips and kicks. There's no way he'd be able to do. Given he his survives size. an electric fence pretty well. Like, yeah. electric walls. Well, I can almost buy that given his size. Like, maybe the electricity isn't enough to really knock him out given how big he is. Yeah. But you cannot do those kinds of flips and jumps if you're a man his size. I speak from experience. It was, <laughs> it was a cheesy fight. It was a cheesy Matrix fight. Yeah. Which I was waiting for the Matrix in. Influence. I knew sooner or later it was going to show up in this sci-fi movie because every sci-fi movie between 2001 and 2010 had to have some some element of, of the Matrix in it. Yeah. Uh, but he does do a pretty good job of the fighting. Uh, he dies badly. Like, the, the way he actually gets, like... He's about the, to escape. And he's then... about to escape, and then the creature gets loose and grabs a chain he's climbing and pulls him down, and he just dies when he hits the ground. Yeah. Which, wasn't enough. Like, it should have been more that, like, he landed. Because he had fallen down there before? <laughs> it would have been cooler if, when he was falling, the creature put, like, his claws out, and then the Destroyer fell right onto his claws, like, right around his heart, and then yeah. he just, then the creature took him and slammed him on the ground. Yeah. That would have been neater and more in line, because he was doing a pretty decent job or something. Yeah, he was, was outclassed. He, he was defending himself pretty well. He had him, pro- the, the monster propped against the wall, against the electric wall with the pipe and everything mm-hmm. makes you wonder if if that juice g24 makes you super strong and fast how many matrix leaps he could have done then if they'd injected him they could have saved him with that gene <laughs> yeah. uh so anyway um and then uh so he dies and then portman is in the bathroom like an idiot and he doesn't check his weapon to make sure he's got ammo he's loaded <laughs> so when he hears something coming in the bathroom he try he drops his mag well he's trying to reload it very freaking professional yeah right there. and then he gets it and he's all happy i got my mag i'm ready and then the thing reaches down and grabs him by the head and pulls him up which is really goofy really goofy and uh it's... he just keeps slamming him around um it, he's I, I don't feel any sympathy for the guy at all honestly i was hoping he would die sooner because <laughs> yeah, he, he was so 
points to the actor because we saw his interview and he seemed like a decent man when he was doing the interview. But um, his he character plays slimy really well. His character is terrible. Yeah, he, he plays slimy exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, especially sexually slimy. The guy is really creepy slimy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, after that, so, uh, while this was happening, The Rock ran off to get an experimental gun called the Bioforce gun, or the BFG, or the big fucking gun, which he actually says when he sees it. Yeah. That is a big fucking gun. I actually kind of like the gun. Yeah, <laughs> it's gun pretty fucking... Cool. All the weapons in this look pretty neat. Like, they do look sci-fi, but still utilitarian. Like, they look like they look like sci-fi versions of weapons we have now. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so he grabs the big gun, and he, he goes to where um, uh, Portman is being grabbed, and he shoots it, and it just creates this mm-hmm. giant, like, wave of acid stuff that just blows like the ceiling up. Like a blue thingy. It's a blue goo gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blue explosion. <laughs> It sounds it, it sounds like something that would be in like Borderlands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, Portman's dead. Destroyer's dead. Mac is dead. Yeah. And Goat, while this was all happening, Goat got up off the table, uh, even though he was dead, with the monster face. He crosses himself. Yeah. And then he runs at the glass. And then continues to smack his head against the glass until he dies. Now it's supposed to be horrifying. It's supposed to be horrifying and a comment on. His character. His character as a. His character as a religious person. The idea is that we'll get to the specifics of the the viral outbreak right in a minute. But basically, he felt himself changing into a monster, and he didn't want to be. So uh, he realized his only way out was to kill himself before he lost control. <laughs> and if he had done uh, like if he had like the the guy like he still had one of his grenades on him if he had pulled the grenade off or and, shot himself or shot himself or like pushed the like what or I would stabbed have stabbed himself what I would have had him done would be to pull the grenade out mm-hmm. and activate it and then put it against where his cross was resting and mm-hmm. then like signal to to Duke and the doctor lady to get down and then have the explosion happen and just kill him or earlier he cuts himself because he uses the Lord's name in vain. He should have killed himself with that same knife. Yeah. Like he should have gone. Like he should have saluted Duke and then just stabbed himself right in the head. Yeah. Because it's him running at the glass and then continuing to slam. It's his head almost him. goofy. It looks. It makes him look stupid. Like yeah. He's, it, like he's mentally. De- like he's trying to get to Duke and kill him. Yeah. It and makes he's just too dumb to like, realize uh, that the glass is uh, there. Like, uh, I'm like, what? And it isn't helped by the fact that Samantha, who's only other And then they're like, oh, he killed himself. I'm like, oh, that's what happened? I thought uh, he was a monster at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, he was resisting it. That's why they had to cross himself. Yeah, I know, but, but like... In any event... They didn't it, it make that clear. <laughs> true. It isn't helped by the fact that Samantha's actress is being asked to scream every time he slams against the window. So it's... Which is kind of funny, because like she just had her arm in one of these monsters and yeah. was digging around in it and looking inside and shit. Yeah, I liked her whenever she was a full-on scientist who didn't care yeah. about the situation. I hated her whenever they turned her into damsel in distress, which happens way too much in this movie. I mean, there was never a moment where she really needed to be rescued, but she definitely didn't have much She agency. needed to be protected a lot. She did need to be protected, and she wasn't didn't have much agency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There was never a time where she's like, give me a gun. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, even Resident Evil had Michelle Rodriguez being a badass chick in that movie, so... So Sarge comes back, sees the blood on the wall. Oh, uh, also, Dr. Carmack disappeared during this oh, and yeah. then came back attacking them through the nanite wall. And here's the nanite wall thing, is that 
it's a it's a bunch of nanites that come into a solid wall when it's closed, but when it's open, you can walk through it. Yeah. So if you were to close it while you're walking through it, you get trapped in it. Yeah, and that one guy, he has like a bad like he just like doesn't do nanite walls apparently. Yeah, Duke. Yeah, Duke. But and then he says that's the reason why. That's the reason why. Um, and uh, it turns out it's Dr. Carmack. It turns out the reason the, the reason they had Dr. Carmack rip his own ear off was so we could recognize that that was him and he was a monster. Yeah. Um, and that's what we find out is that all of the researchers who were not killed outright. Yeah. Which was only one of them, apparently. I think one or two. <laughs> no, because th there's two guys who are by the dig site, but one of their bodies is missing when they yeah. come back. Yeah. The other one hadn't moved, so I'm assuming that's implying he was actually Dead. not genetically evil. Yeah, they imply <laughs> the genetic evil thing. Yeah, we're going to get there in just a second. Oh, we're almost so there. It's the um, worst part of this film. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we get to, at this point, uh, this is literally where we find out about it, or find out about most of it. Uh, Sarge is livid. He's lost four men on a team that he's never, he's, it's implied he's never lost a man before. Yeah. And uh, so him and Reaper start, like, yelling at Samantha. And I don't think this particular scene was written very well because no. she, she clearly... Didn't know what the fuck was going on. She clearly didn't know what was going on, but she should have put the pieces together at this point. Yeah. Rolling at something She's like, I don't know what's going on. And you're like, you're... okay, look, honey, they, they imply that you're not stupid in this story, so stop being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the... Um, the they eventually say, okay, what were you sent here to save? And they watch the video, and it turns out that a guy, and I think the code name, I think his name in both the game and in, or in the, in the movie, his nickname I think is called the Baron, and he's the giant monster, the one that killed, Duke, uh, killed Destroyer. Yeah. And what happened was that they, when they discovered the 24, the Gene 24, they wanted beta test it. So they tested it on animals. That's what all the animals were for. And then they decided to test it on humans. And in a very logical, by their standards, in a horrifying way, this guy was a multiple murderer. He was young. He was healthy. He was strong. So they took him and they locked him up. And they injected him with the, 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 vir the, the, the gene, gene. Uh, the gene 24 to see what would happen to him. And they placed him at the bottom of that pit, the one that Destroyer was killed in. Yeah. And slowly but surely, he mutated into a giant monster, which then escaped, and that's when the movie started, is when yeah. he escaped and started attacking the, the scientists. Yeah. Now, at this moment, this is when the, the true shift between the characters of Sarge and Reaper happened. This is yeah. when they eventually, this is where they've reached the other side of their characters. Yeah. Because Sarge, even after seeing this, even after knowing he's lost four of his men to this, even after knowing that this experiment will continue if they bring this information back to Earth, says, our mission is to bring this information back, our information is to protect this facility, you will shut up Reaper. And Reaper has says, you know what's going to happen, you saw what happened. We need to destroy we this. We need to destroy this and blow this base to hell. Hmm. Um, by the way, he literally says at one point, this place is hell, it's always been hell. Yeah. Which is, like I said, if they'd done what we suggested with the flames as part of the Earth culture on Mars, or the human culture on Mars, and the actual, like, red city they yeah. could walk through, and actually having, like... You know, a little bit more setup and stuff. A little bit more setup and a little bit more uh, of a theme of hell, I would have liked that line. 
Like, because they were going for the religious themes already. Yeah, but... It, Even it, though they sucked. As it is, <laughs> it just feels like an F you to the fans every time someone brings up demons or hell. Because, because there's not... no demons at any point, and they never go to hell at any no, point. And, well, it just means, like, remember the game? The game went to de- had demons and went to hell. Remember that? Like, And you're like, yeah, but why aren't you? <sighs> um, because fuck you, duh. <laughs> but if they'd done the Red City with, like, flame motif as the, the architectural style, and they had the monsters, it would have played into the idea that this actually is hell of mythos legend. This is where that legend came from. So they are technically in hell. Um, it would have been a nicer nod, in my opinion. And that's just something they could have done without having to add in monsters and demons and the forces of darkness. It could have been the exact same genetics. story. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they still would have had the genetic angle. Yeah. It would have been the exact same story, just that the setting, the, the set dressing... Would, would have, have made, made more sense. Would have made it made more sense. So, anyway, uh, so Reaper eventually bows to Sarge and says, okay, we'll do it your way, sir. And... Um, why uh she samantha has four more sticks worth of information usb drives worth of information to get so she goes to get it while sarge and um what's left of his team sarge duke the kid and uh carl urban's character uh are informed who doesn't want to leave his sister behind but apparently he's ordered to yeah he's ordered to but he's told that there's one more one of the scientists the one we mentioned earlier that we thought was dead but wasn't has apparently made it to the door leading to the Ark. And Pinky's the only one left in there to defend it. Yeah. And he's a guy with no legs and no experience firing a gun who's been handed a couple of grenades yeah. and a pistol. Like, he's going to... Like, Destroyer had a Gatling gun and was six foot six and full of muscle, and he died. You really so think, this is not fair, this honestly. This is not a fair fight for Pinky at all. No. So Pinky retreats, as would most people, through the, the arc. Because he's smart. <laughs> yeah, which leaves the monsters to come through the gate behind him. Yeah. And Sarge, when he gets there, sees them all gone and realizes, okay, it's going to take five minutes for the portal to recharge, so uh, everybody go get some ammo. We're going to go and clean out the entirety of it. Because we should clarify, um, there were scientists on... The Earth base, okay. The Earth base, the one that has the the whole the portal in it on Ve- in Vegas, mm-hmm. is underneath a deep deep shaft, and that deep shaft has been locked down for six hours. Yeah. Uh, once Sarge showed up, and it had like I think like forty or so people there. Yeah. Then when you go through the uh, the arc to Mars, there was a there was a more there was like forty other people, and they were in the atrium, and it was just the six scientists that were missing. Yeah. Well, during the course of the movie, Sarge ordered everybody else who wasn't Pinky or his men to retreat to the previous location where, so now there's like 80 people in this underground base with a door that's locked to exit. So they're all just trapped there. Yeah. And when the monsters come through, because I'm assuming that the big, the the big muscular one must have died when the, 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 uh, Sarge fired his BFG. Yeah. So it was just the scientist that was, we thought was dead. Uh, over by the the archaeological dig, the one that they went back and checked, and he wasn't there. So there's just like 80 civilians, some of them children, yeah, just trapped in this building with a monster showing up. And Sarge gets all of his things together, and it's going to take five minutes for the the portal to recharge. So um, Carl Urban's character is like, "Let me go get my sister because she's not responding to columns," and he says, "You got three minutes, and then we're leaving." And so Carl Urban beats feet to his sister, and this is where we get the genetics explanation. And I'm going to let you explain this because it, it could tell you were upset by it. Oh, oh, so, 
okay. Okay. So here's you want me to explain this? Okay. I, well, if you're gonna keep pushing for to bring it up, I'm gonna let you, you explain it. It's because it's an important part of the freaking story. Okay. okay. Well, you can go ahead. Okay. Okay. So basically, she's like, "Hey, I was wondering." The, the sister's like, "I was wondering why it only took some of the people, but not all of them." Mm-hmm. And then she takes out like the genetic, like genetic code of. Uh, gray, she said it's gray matter from Portman and gray matter from Destroyer. Oh yeah, she puts it next to the monster's tongue because the monster's tongue fell out earlier. Because, well, you could fire it like a missile. Yeah, like for reasons. <laughs> and she put like she's like, "Here's what happens when we put Portmans," and like the tongue's like. <laughs> but here's what happens when we put Destroyers, and it doesn't react at all. Mm-hmm. And she's like. It's because they're genetically... We don't know everything about the human genome. There's 10% of it that's unmapped. So some people think it's the the genetic code of the soul. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are they going there? Mm -hmm. So basically they're implying that the people that turn to monsters are genetically evil souls. They try to gloss it over by her saying the parts that we haven't really is the parts that... Relate to schizophrenia, uh, psycho- psychologic, uh, psychosis, sociopathy, um, like basically people who are more prone to becoming psych- uh, not, serial killers. They're not necessarily evil, but they could become evil. Yeah, but the easy. thing is, like, it's implying that there's no choice for any of these people yeah. at all. <laughs> and it's like now I will say the movie does do a decent. She's like job. now not that means that not everybody can be affected, and mm-hmm. I'm like. But really? Some people have a natural immunity to evil, maybe. Yeah. Don't you understand that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the okay, they do do some interesting things. First of all, Goat, who was infected, so must have been genetically predisposed to being evil. Even though he was the religious dude. Well, even though he's a religious dude, but the idea is that yeah. he was, just because you're, relig- you're predisposed to being evil does not mean you cannot be without honor. Yeah. The idea is what moral code you subscribe to. In his case, it was a very strict religious moral code. Um, and um, people like uh, the kid, who I would argue is not, even though we never see for sure one way or the other, but yeah. the kid who is not predisposed to being genetically evil, and we'll get to why I think that in a minute, uh, he was a drug addict, which yeah. most people would assume is a negative personality trait. So just because you're predisposed to being good or evil doesn't mean you can't have traits of the other side. Yeah. But it still clarifies that the 10% we haven't mapped yet is whether or not people are good. <laughs> yeah. Like, they literally, have, Carl Urban literally says, what, what do you mean? She goes, 10% of the human genome hasn't been matched yet. What do you mean? The part that's about evil? <laughs> so it's, it's just, uh, just weird. Um, it, it is dot, a nice dot, character dot. moment for Samantha, though, because she's the one that deduces yeah. the obvious thing about the the same thing, the, the, the bones. Yeah. Because she literally says... What was it? Lucy? One, was yeah, it one, one, what the like when the gene was introduced to them, it made them genetically stronger and faster. But, but she was shielding her baby yeah. or shielding that baby from harm, not trying to eat it. Yeah. So she was advanced, but she she did have the same gene, but was not evil. She yeah. wasn't a monster. So it it will either turn you into a monster or you will become a superior human. A superior human, which. Humor? What the fuck? <laughs> Superior humor. Uh, It'll turn you into. Uh, I think I said human. Turn you into Pat Oswalt. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! I fucked up. Okay, I just like there's a lot to unwrap here. <laughs> uh, true. So, so the idea is that um, the gene is still useful, but only to a subset of humanity. 
It also, we have no way of knowing which subset. Mm -hmm. It also is, well, unless you lock them in a room with one of those monsters and see if it tries to kill them or not. It also is interesting <laughs> that it's very convenient that the monsters, like, okay, what the monster does is it has, like we said, a tongue that will latch onto somebody right around the neck, yeah. pump them full of, I guess, the same gene if, it's, if they're evil, yeah. and then the tongue will flop out and die. And then they regrow it for the next person. Yeah. And the implication here is that... Um, it's, it's, it's a zombie virus. It's a zombie virus that is spread through, uh, like... Sexy like, tongue licks. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you call that sexy. That's a pretty monstrous creature. I'm kidding. But um, there is a, a version of, um, of, like, vampires where they have, like, tongues that are kind of tentacles that come yeah. out. And stuff. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Zombies so are just a subset of vampires, well, don't you know? Of, <laughs> of vampires and zombies in this that, that turn into giant monsters slash demons. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Carl Urban realizes that Sarge is about to go back and kill everything. Now, if Sarge, given the information he has at the moment, that this if this thing gets out, it could theoretically wipe out all life on Earth, is legitimately a good reason to just go in there and kill everything. I hate to say that, um, but he doesn't know there's any way these people aren't all infected. And once they turn, they become extremely dangerous. Though he didn't have to worry about that because when he went there, almost everybody was dead. Well, all the people that couldn't be turned. And remember, yeah. the, the guy in the archaeological dig was supposedly dead, as was Goat, and yeah. they both came back. So yeah. just because they're dead doesn't mean they're not dangerous. Yeah, I mean, like, you didn't have to see him mowing down people going, Ah! You know, <laughs> uh, but the um, which would be very uncomfortable for future viewings. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, so I'm just saying from from a pure cold calculus perspective, we've got 80 people versus the rest of mankind. If this virus escapes, yeah. So I understand his logic in this card. Carl Urban can't get through to Sarge. He tries to hook it back. It's too late. Sergeant, uh, Sarge, the kid, and Duke, who are the only people left now of that unit, go through and start eliminating everybody they find. Mostly yeah. monsters. But there are a couple people who are like, please help me, and then Sarge just shoots them. Yeah. And then um, Carl Urban and his sister come through, and they see all the carnage, and they inform Sarge about this. That yeah. not everyone can be infected. Just secure them all for now. Kill all the dead bodies. Put bullets in the head, dead bodies. That's fine. That's fine. But everybody who's alive, just secure them for now, and we can test to see if they're infected before they become violent. Yeah. Basically, she can see Check if they've their... got the black blood or not. Not they, only they that, just... but if you could... An obvious neck wound, yeah. that means that they're more likely to... To have been infected. Yeah. I don't even know if you can get infected any other way. They didn't say, aside from directly injecting. Uh, yeah, they didn't really say... If the neck wound is the only way, then it's a clear giveaway. A clear yeah. sign of who's been infected. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Sarge hears this and says, copy that, and he just shoots an unarmed person. Yeah. Uh, thus clarifying that Sarge doesn't really care. Yeah. He tells the kid to secure the rest of the area, and he tells Duke to secure a different area, and Duke finds Pinky hiding under a bunch of dead bodies. Yeah. And he drags him back to the, the control area, and Sarge comes back and, and has it out with Samantha and... Reaper, yeah. where they're trying to explain that not everybody's in danger. Some of them are just like she people. checks Pinky's neck. Yeah, and, and he's, he's clean. got no wounds. So hope you know, don't shoot him. Yeah. And the kid, while this is happening, finds a storage space with, with twenty survivors. people, most of them children, from what we can tell. Yeah, children and and some young women. <laughs> yeah, well, mostly kids. But is what mostly I'm kids. At. It was there's like one guy I saw, and then like three adults, and most of them are children. Yeah. 
uh, fifth, I would say, eight, by, by children, I mean like 18 and under, although there are kids that are obviously like five or six. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like a baby crying at one point when yeah. you walk in there. So there, It's just like so... Uncomfortable knowing what happens next. Yeah. So the kid refuses to kill them. He comes back and says, I found them. They're safe. They're not infected. And Sarge goes, did you secure that area? goes, I didn't kill them. They're not infected. They're just scared. We just need to bring them here. Yeah, find them a place to secure them. And then a Reaper's like, if they haven't been discovered and infected yet, sir, they're not a threat. Yeah. And Sarge says, I gave you an order. Obey it. And this is really where the, the, twitchy, the twitchy acting yeah. uh, on, on Dwayne Johnson gets a little too much because the camera keeps cutting back and he's going... You will follow my orders, and then cuts back to him. crazy You're eyes. You're gonna follow my orders. Crazy eyes, eyes. Yeah, crazy eyes, and slightly <laughs> head twitching. And uh, so yeah, we, we got yeah. the crazy eyes, and yeah. it's the head twitching, and it's just like you can tell. I, I could feel Dwayne Johnson thinking, "Okay, I have to really project being unhinged. I have to project it. That's how you do it. And you get all cricky. This is how you be a, a bad guy. This is how you do villainous." Yeah, but like, honestly, if he was just calmer and said, "Did you secure that?" And the kid goes, no, they're not scared. Did you secure it? No, I'm not going to do that, sir. I'm not going to kill them. Okay. And then he raises the gun and just shoots him. Yeah. Completely calm. But it's clear. Much more disturbing. It's clear by the crazy eyes that he's going to shoot this guy. Yeah, at like, least I saw it coming. Yeah. In the theater. I don't know if you saw it coming. I did. Yeah. It's like, okay, when is this kid going to get shot? This poor kid who's yeah. actually gotten kind of a better character. Yeah, he, he became better as the story went on. Yeah. Um, Despite his lack of characteristics other yeah. than being new at the job. His, his entire arc is going from being a new kid who doesn't know what he's doing to being an actual soldier with a sense of honor. Yeah. And he dies for it, which is sad. But what he does causes um, uh, Reaper's... Reaper basically breaks. Yeah. And he runs over to the kid and says, it's his first, it was his first mission. And uh, Sarge says, and it was not going to be my last... And then he pulls a gun on Pinky, and Pinky pulls a gun, pulls the pistol he had back and points it at Sarge and says, lower your weapons, I'm not going to die. And that's when Sarge looks up behind him, and Pinky goes, oh my god, there's something behind me, isn't It was comedic. It was comedic. And then that monster hand comes down and grabs him. Yeah, again, the funny monster hand that pulls him up. Yeah. And then it takes him and slams him around. And remember, his bottom half of his body is a cybernetic wheelchair, so he hits... Like three people with the wheelchair part while Pinky's just screaming. Basically, he turns <laughs> Pinky into a mallet. And he, and he drags him off while Pinky is continuing to scream. And Sarge and Reaper. What I liked about this is that for those seconds when the tension was mounting and when Reaper and when when uh, the kid was shot, Duke and Reaper were clearly on the side of what Sarge is about to do is wrong. And there was a big dispute over how to handle this. Yeah. The moment the monster shows up, they all go back to being military officers. We have a bigger issue right now. Even yeah. though I think Sarge deserves to die at this point, yeah. we all know that the bigger issue is a bunch of monsters coming. We can't afford... Like, if this was a typical zombie movie with a bunch of survivors, they'd be arguing right now while the zombies are clouding in through the walls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... It, it would have been bullshit. Yeah, I'm glad they were like, okay, monster, bigger issue, get your guns, we'll sort this out later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Duke and um, Duke runs back to get Samantha while Reaper and um, Sarge move forward and continue to cover. And that's when they hear this massive sound of, of zombie screams. 
Yeah, there's they, zombies. There's zombies. There's literally a moment when they're when a whole bunch of them when Sarge is clearing the place out. There's a whole bunch of them surrounding a dead body. And they're just ripping into it, eating parts of it. Yeah. And then they all turn in unison. Exactly. You know what it reminded me of? Reminded me of the end of um, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh. When they unleash all the monsters and they literally like the security officers run after the first wave of monsters comes through. Security officers run around the corner and there's all the only monsters that are left there that haven't run into the into the building are the zombies and they're eating somebody and they all look up in unison when the other guys walk in, run around with their guns. Yeah. It looked exactly like that, except yeah. of course in one's a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> one's I'm not sure which one at this point. <laughs> That one. I'm kidding. kidding. Megan. Mom? (laughs) Jesus. First my mom calls me mom, now my friend calls me mom. (laughs) You need to to stop momming it. No. Uh, (laughs) uh, But anyway, uh, so so Carl Urban and... uh, So Reaper and Sarge are shooting, then Duke joins them. They're overwhelmed. They have to fall back. There's a nanite wall. They get behind the nanite wall, but Sarge slams the close button too hard, so it breaks. So it won't close properly. It won't close properly. It keeps shaving. uh, Parts of it keep phasing in and out of closed. Yeah. Solid wall. And so they're doing the shooting at the spots thing. And then a creature reaches up from underneath the the room they're in and grabs Duke around the foot and pulls him through the grate. Which which makes me mad because he could have made it. He could have made it. He was a more interesting character, especially by the end. Because he wasn't. Because he actually. At first it started with him flirting with Samantha. seemed like it was just straight up, I think she's hot. Yeah. But by the end of it, it seemed like he actually liked her. Yeah, like it was like a connection, and I kind of was like, you know, it'd be nice if, if for once that happened. Yeah, you the know? black guy made it in a horror movie. Yeah. Especially back then, that wasn't happening. No. Um, I have to ask. I though, knew it wouldn't, but I'd hoped. I at have that to ask point. though. Do you think that was a reference to um, aliens? Because there's the scene where um, Hicks or Hudson. Hudson. Hudson's the one that constantly talks, right? The one that makes jokes. Uh. Yeah, it's been a while. Anyway, he reach, he gets, at the very end when they're all falling back and trying to get to the thing, he gets grabbed from underneath by, by a grate. And, no, either from underneath or above, he gets grabbed and pulled through a grate. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering if that was a reference to him. Probably. Probably. This, this movie did steal a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense, but it did steal a lot of its horror ideals. Yeah. From Resident other Evil is the biggest influence. Yeah, it is so but you'll Resident see first Resident Evil. you'll see a lot of other stuff in it. So it is it is a lesser Resident Evil copy, though I will say it is better in my opinion than most of the Resident Evil sequels. Oh yeah, I think the first Carl Resident... Urban is above this film. Yeah. <laughs> the first Resident Evil movie I stand behind because it is actually a pretty decent tactical team versus zombies story. Uh, this is the exact same story. It's done less good, but it's still better than all the Resident Evil sequels. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, getting back to the, um, the, the, um, the story. Yeah. Duke is dead. Samantha, it's now down to Samantha, Reaper, and Sarge. And then Sarge, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, gets a little too close to the wall. Gets grabbed. Gets grabbed through one of the parts that are phasing and gets dragged through it. And he's holding onto the wall for a second, and he says, "I'm not supposed to die. I'm not supposed to die." 
And then he gets pulled through. And I remember laughing in the theater when he said that. I'm like, oh, okay then. Because I remember, remember, like I said, this movie was advertised as Dwayne Johnson as a military guy. Because remember, he's big, he's muscular. We were all waiting for him to play a military character because this is the... Turns out he wasn't the main character. Well, remember, this is early 2000s. This is our mid-2000s. Mid-2000s. This is after... I was 15. This is after 9-11... When tons of military movies were coming out, the military was more beloved in our country than it had been in quite some time. We hadn't seen a bad guy military guy, like... In quite a while. And this movie was clearly supposed to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson's step-up-to-action films. What we honestly thought, I think most of us, were expecting Dwayne Johnson to do action movies like Schwarzenegger. And although the rundown... Because even in the rundown, they have that trade-off moment. Good luck, kid. Yeah, good luck, kid. (laughs) Um, so, or have fun, have fun, or something like that was his line. It's been a couple And the rundown is an action movie, but it's an action comedy movie. Yeah. And and I don't think there's, The Walking Tall is an action movie, but it's a pretty bland action movie. Yeah. Um. This is an action film, but it's. This is definitely action. This is sci-fi action horror. This is what this movie is The thing is, this is not where The Rock's career completely went, ironically. (laughs) But I'm just saying the way it was advertised. We were expecting this to be his stepping stone to finally being the action star we all expected him to be. And he's not really... He's not really good. That's, well, he's not really good, but he dies. That was supposed to be a big shocker. Yeah. And that moment where he says, I'm not supposed to die, is literally, I think, a nod to the audience of, we surprised you, didn't we? You didn't uh-huh. First, you didn't expect The Rock to be the bad guy five minutes ago by killing the kid, and now we're killing him for it. Ah, you didn't expect that, did you? Uh-huh. They hung a lantern on it, and they really shouldn't have. It would have been more shocking if, Dwayne, if, if The Rock was shooting at the wall, and then suddenly he got grabbed and pulled and held on, and then Reaper like maybe maybe chose not to save him. Because he because he shot the kid. Like he kinda did. He kinda did. He like he kinda looked at him, but like there was no way he was gonna save him. I know, but I mean like he could have been a moment where Reaper like the the wall right around the creature that's holding the rock's foot. Like it's desolidified for a second, so Reaper could have shot him. Yeah. And then chose not to. Like he lowers his gun for a second and then the rock just gets pulled out, having seen Reaper choose not to save him. Yeah. That would have been a much better way to go with it than having the rock save him, in my opinion. So anyway, the only people left now are Reaper and Samantha. Reaper and Samantha fall back to a storage room. He's been... He's been shot by a ricochet. Yeah, a ricochet because his bullet... Bounced off the solid part of the wall. And hit him, and he's basically dying. He's dying. He's bleeding really bad. And um, his sister leans down with him. And another pretty good scene. Yeah, the, the two of them, like, when they're by themselves, are actually... Pretty, pretty good, good. Uh, when the writing is up to par. Well, in this case, uh, Reaper says um, she. It turns out that when she left her, we saw this, but I didn't bring it up. She, when she left the um, the lab, she grabbed a vial of G twenty four. Yeah, Gene twenty four. And she says, "I can give you." He he. She starts taking it out and taking a vial of you know a syringe of it. And then he says, "What is that?" And she goes, "It's Gene twenty four. And she's about to she's inject him, and he it's stops gonna, it her. It can save you. Yeah. Well, he stops her, and he goes, "No, I don't want that stuff." He goes, "This could save your life." He goes, "I do not want to be one of those things. I have done things." Yeah. Samantha. And the way he's saying it is, he doesn't know. This is the he only. He thinks good, he might not be a good guy. <laughs> yeah. This is the only reason the genetically evil thing works yeah. at all. Is that 
Reaper honestly wonders if he's genetically predisposed to be one of those monsters. Yeah. Because he doesn't know if he's been a good person. And the entire life. time she's like, you're my brother, I know you. Yeah, you're a better person than that. Yeah. And he eventually... <laughs> it's actually kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. He eventually submits to being injected. I don't think it's to save his life or even necessarily to save his sisters. I think it's because he recognizes that with everybody else in the team dead, and the lockdown is like an hour away from being lifted. Yeah. Um... He realizes that there's no one else to stop this except his sister. Yeah. I'd also like the moment that when he pulls out his grenade and he hands it to her, he says, when they come, take this. You pull the switch, you pull the pin, you press the button, and you hold it. And that idea was that he was trying to save her yeah. from dying and also getting as many of those monsters killed as possible. From dying horribly. Yeah. And from getting one of those one of, as many of those monsters as possible. Basically, he was giving her a chance to end it quickly so yeah. she wouldn't die Slowly and also, he says if if she if he starts turning into the monster, go yeah. for the. You shoot. He gives her the pistol. He says, "If I turn, you give me one in the heart, one in the head. Don't you hesitate." And, <laughs> and very zombie yeah. film movie. I thing. also like how Carl Urban is such a good. I hate to keep praising him because we're supposed to do Dwayne Johnson. I know, but, but he's so good in this movie. Yeah, because he has to play both. It's not fair. <laughs> he's playing both dying and injured. And emotional, and it works. It's so hard to hit those three ideas at the he same is time. He's so good. <laughs> one in the heart. Well, especially when he says that line, if I turn, one in the heart, one in the head, don't you hesitate. Mm. And there's the levels of exhaustion combined with him, you know, injured, combined with him genuinely being afraid that he yeah. might be the one that kills his own sister. Um, so then, then we get the best, then the, the he closes his eyes after she injects him, and the the thing fades down. And this is the best part of the movie, in my best opinion. Sequence, best sequence. Best sequence, hand down. I will say we have not brought up the music. It's the, been pretty... Pretty bad. Pretty bad. The, the, this movie, again, is very heavily influenced by Resident Evil, especially in the music sense. A lot of the mid-2000s... Like, the thing is, like, 2005 had a lot of great music that year. The music in this is not one of them. <laughs> it feels very early 2000s with the, the bad Marilyn Manson ripoff yeah, music. Yeah, well, the thing is that they're going for a hard rock music theme, but here's the problem. It's... Hard rock music does not work with atmosphere, and this movie was aiming for atmos dark atmosphere through the first half. Of yeah. Um, it only works with, like, action that... sequence. Yeah, which is what we're going to be getting to in a second. But here's the thing. In the dark heavy mood the, the reason i give resident evil a pass is that when they they did their music they hired marilyn manson to work as an ambient sound musician yeah and i actually watched some of the documentaries about that he brought in stuff like weird broken clocks that made unique sounds yeah and started adding that into like he's the background he's talented he's very talented he has a really great ear and he knows how to do rock but also how to do mood yeah this movie doesn't... The musicians they chose for this movie do not know how to do mood. No, at not at all. Uh, it felt... It felt... I'm, I'm sorry to bring this up, but it kind of felt like... What was that show that we were watching? Special Unit 2 opening? Yes. That's what it felt like, the Special Unit 2 opening throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the sequence we're about to say is, is... I'm not the first one to say this. I've seen other reviewers of this say the exact same thing. What we're about to talk about is the best part of this movie. And yeah. everybody agrees this is how the movie should have been from the start. Yeah. They even tease it in the worst possible way from a military perspective, where at the start of the movie, 
they establish that their guns have, have cameras. cameras. And they literally test them by saying one, they stand, all the military guys stand in a circle, and then they, one, two, three, they whip their guns at each other. And I'm like, what That's, the fuck? That is not what you would do. Never. And no one, I don't care if your gun, if you're 100% certain as a military officer that your gun isn't loaded and the safety's on, you still never point it at anything you don't intend anybody to shoot. Anybody that's ever known anybody <laughs> in the military knows this. Even if you had known nobody in the military, you know this. Yeah, you don't ever Because guns are fucking dangerous. Yeah, both of our fathers are military men, and I know both of them yeah. would say... You never point your gun at anything unless you're intending to shoot it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's if your gun's not loaded. It doesn't matter if the safety's on. You don't point your gun at something unless you're prepared to shoot it. Yeah. And in this case, they wouldn't do that for the camera. And here's the thing. They could have done a version of this movie where we were just seeing different gun cameras. Where yeah. Where they cut from... It could have been group, very atmospheric. Yeah, this group patrolling... And this group patrolling, and we cut from one to the next. We have radio transmissions that communicate what's going on. Maybe we cut to some surveillance camera footage occasionally. Yeah. We've been very atmospheric. Cut to Pinky looking through the cameras. Yeah. Something like that. It would have been much more interesting, especially during the action sequences, as we see in a second. And especially since this was based on a first-person shooter game. Yeah. But I also understand that it would have been really hard to shoot. Because they tried to do that, I think, with, what, the hardcore Henry thing? And, and it works partly there. It only works partially. It doesn't yeah. work completely. There's parts of that work really well, but not all the time. Yeah. It's also a lot of problem. It's also a logistical nightmare. Yeah. But it would have worked really... If they had put the work in, which they put a lot of work into the special effects and the training. And I appreciate that. Yeah, if they had gotten a director who really wanted to test themselves to try something new... And they did it well. It could have opened up a whole new range of movies that were first persons. But as is, it's just an average film. Well, as is, it's got one really good sequence that was obviously an inspiration for Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Um, so in this sequence, um, once Carl Urban's character wakes up, we are in his eyes. Yeah, we're he in his stand, eyes. He stands up. He asks where Samantha is. She's gone. Apparently, she climbed out a, a, she a vent, a <laughs> ran, or something like that. Uh, he stands up, he looks at himself in the mirror, sees some of his wounds healing as he's looking at it to verify that he is, in fact, an uber-human. He did turn out to be... <laughs> a good person. A good person. <laughs> a good genetic Wait, I person. I want to clarify one thing that, uh, <laughs> genetically, the, the whole idea of good and evil is terrible. On it's a so level. bad. I can understand being predisposed to, like, chemicals in your brain that might lead you to being a bit more uh, sociopathic, but... Good and evil are a choice. Yeah. Um, however, I do like the fact that in this story, it is implied that the most evil people are all white. That's <laughs> true. I want to clarify here. I'm not trying to say with that. With the exception the, of The Rock. With the exception of The Rock. I'm not trying to claim that that was the message the movie was trying to put across. But based on who gets infected and who gets killed, Mac had his head cut off the moment the monster found him. So he so, was genetically good. No. Destroyer. Yeah. Did, was killed genetically good. Uh, Portman was genetically evil because he was trying to be infected. Yeah. Um, Goat, who's also a white guy, was genetically evil because he was infected. Yeah. Um, um, Duke was killed. So Duke was killed, so it's likely he wasn't. It, it's debatable there because when um, Dr. Carmack's monster yeah. tries to get them, he shoots his tongue. Yeah. Which implies that he thought one of the two people in there was infectable, and it was either Duke or Samantha. And we since, have no clue. We have no clue, and since Carl Urban's character... Is the twin of Samantha. The, I mean, fraternal twin, obviously. Fraternal. Because you never know. <laughs> no. 
accent, fraternal twin, it implies that she, since she's from the same genetics, it implies that she actually is yeah. good too. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just such a weird movie, yeah. and it doesn't. We need to stop saying that though, because they've all been weird movies in one way or another. That's true. Wait till we get to. Uh, I think the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird movie too. I just want. I really hope everybody <laughs> get what's what I'm saying. I'm just glad that there is a logical explanation for why the minority actors died beyond that they just needed to die because they were minorities. Yeah. Um. To to amp up the danger. Um, to show that these monsters are dangerous. Ugh. It's like, now, we already knew this, but okay. Now, up till now, there have only been three Doom games when this movie came out, from what I understand. Doom 1, Doom 2, and Doom 3. Doom 3 is very divisive among the fans because it's much more of an atmosphere. From what I understand, it's much more of an atmospheric horror setting. Rather where, than where go in and shoot them demons. Yeah, rather than nonstop monster hunting. So the idea I think they were going for in the movie is that the first two-thirds of the movie were going to be that atmospheric horror. And then the end of the movie was going to be the... Classic non- Doom. The classic Doom. And that's what this sequence was supposed to epitomize. Yeah. And we're in Carl Urban's eyes. He is an uber-human. He reloads his gun, and then we get to see, from his perspective, him just walking around the facility... Mowing these motherfuckers down. down. And it's <laughs> some really great shit. There's a lot of great game moments in this. There's the mo- Megan said it reminded her a lot more of... Uh, House of the Dead. House of the Dead. Uh, some of my favorite moments are the environmental kill when yeah, uh, when he blows up the th- the vent and the the monster catches on fire and it's like Arr! yeah, and uh, the the axe wielding monster that yeah, comes at him and, and the Carl Urban shoots, shoots the him axe. and it looks right in the head. Yeah, the axe breaks off and hits him in the forehead. Um, the when he goes in and just shoots the three zombies that are like um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he turns around and there's a zombie right there and he just. And he's like, and he's face. like smiling, like, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a haunted house. Yeah, it's funny. Probably my favorite moment though is when he uh, is, he's been like shooting, 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 and then he turns and shoots, and it turns out it's a mirror or a really, really reflective steel. Yeah, and he's, he shot himself in the head. <laughs> yeah, it was like realizing it. He was like, oh, he shot his reflection. So I should cool. say he didn't, he didn't ricochet himself. He just shot his reflection. Yeah, um, and he just was like. Okay, not bad for a shot. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. And through this whole time, he's calling out for Samantha, trying to find her. The yeah. sequence lasts five and a half minutes, apparently. Yeah. Uh, we saw a documentary about it on the thing, and he specifically says it was a five and a half minute sequence. And it is a really good sequence. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It's uh, it's Capper is seeing what happened to Pinky, who yeah. apparently turned into a monster faster than anybody. Because he's because, full monster and he was infected after everybody else in the facility. Yeah. So. Apparently that, he was uber evil. Well, it's the fact that he was only, like, he's missing his legs so it didn't have as much to change. Maybe, maybe And not. it is kind of a cool, it's, it's bad CGI though. Yeah, the CGI in 2005 is not great. Except for Everything the, else has been practical, which I very much appreciate. Yeah. All the other monsters we find at this The only time I ever saw, like, the other CGI was with the arm when it was cut off. That's, yeah. Which look goofy. And, and the <laughs> teleporter. The, the oh, yeah, teleporter the, ball. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting about the uh, the, the, the Galaxy Quest teleporter. Yeah. It literally looks like Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it's just, you, like, not when, even... When we see them teleport to Mars, it looks exactly like the scene in Galaxy Quest when they fire uh, uh, Jason Nesmith, uh, yeah. Tim Allen's character, out of the ship back to Earth. When and he's like... Uh, 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 like, that's really funny. But anyway... um. 
that that is, but that silver ball was silver, so you can forgive that. Plus, it's supposed to be an alien technology that's really advanced. Yeah. By the way, we should clarify something that we might not have stated earlier. What it turns out is that humanity actually did not evolve on Earth. Yeah. That the reason there's a connecting portal between Mars and Vegas is because um, when this happened on Mars, when this genetic evil started spreading, the survivors, most of whom I'm guessing had 23 chromosomes, yeah. were treated through the portal to Earth, who was at the time a garden planet, and then evolved, re-evolved there, which is why... Maybe it, it mixed with, like, whatever humans were already there, maybe. I don't know, but these are genetically people, and they escaped to Earth. They're genetically human. Yeah. Maybe this. Maybe the implication is these are supposed to be, like... Um, uh, Australopithecus, didn't they in interbreed? Well, they went to Nav in the Nevada, and humans come from Africa? <laughs> well, they might have gone there eventually. Yeah. Like, they might have migrated to Africa. If they can teleport from one planet to another, I'm guessing they have cars. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't found those car fossils yet, Eric. <laughs> I'm guessing the implication is, at best, they could have argued that some of them were um, proto-humans, and some of them were, like... Um, Cro-Magnum Man, and then maybe they, maybe the Cro-Magnum Man evolved here, and then they were they were similar enough, but they were what? So they kind of like them. maybe interbred, interbred maybe because I know that there's there was a theory. I don't know how true it is that part like a third of our DNA is from Cro-Magnum Man, and the other two thirds is from yeah, it's I think Australopithecus. It's possible that the it's kind of a it's a, it's still just a theory, and chances are we might it might be true, but like Cro-Magnum and um. The early modern human mm -hmm. were similar enough genetically to interbreed. Yeah, that's the theory. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I, I guess that's the implication you can get. But this is why the whole idea that maybe in their old cities they like their entire design aesthetic was fire and red colored based, partly because they're on Mars, yeah. would have been a much better indication that this actually is hell, and that the demons that they referred to in hell were actually these evil monster humans. So the implication is that even though that we didn't literally go to hell, in the sense of walking through a gateway into the place Lucifer lives, we did go to what the source of those um, mythoses were. We went yeah. to Mars is, is actually where hell's myth originated. Yeah. That would have made it much more interesting and probably would have given the fans of the game at least a little bone to chew on. They would have been like, hey, I guess it's a little interesting. They still would have been mad about they still it. Still would have been mad, but it would have been a little less aggravating. Because it would have yeah. felt like, especially with, like you said, all the religious overtones. Yeah, they already had the religious overtones. Why didn't they have any of the implications? Mm -hmm. So in uh, after this five and a half minute sequence, which is amazing, it's on YouTube. Watch it. It's, it's worth, worth it. That, Don't watch the rest great. of the movie. Just watch that. I mean, well, this movie isn't is a bad that, time waster. That's true. It, 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 honestly, I think it's more of a seven than a five. I would honestly recommend this. Uh, if we're rating these, I would say this is probably up there with like the rundown, like a movie I would highly recommend if you have a couple hours to kill. Yeah. But it's not like a lost classic. It's no. Not it's not it's, it's your better than I expected, but it's still not good. No, it's not. It's not good enough to warrant. Like no. okay, I understand entirely why this franchise didn't continue. No, no, way. no. I know no. why. I can. I can see why the people who love the video game fucking hate it. Yeah, and <laughs> I can also understand why people who just like sci-fi universes might not have liked this that much because it's not that explored. It's not, no, it's not explored at all. It's not interesting at all. It's just like bland, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, after this five and a half minute sequence, we go out of Carl Urban's head. 
uh, and we get back to a normal film. And he's been looking for Samantha. He's near the exit door. It is literally a minute and a half before the doors open to allow everybody to leave. Yeah. And he's been seeing nothing but dead bodies and monsters. Yeah. So he walks over, he looks around the corner and he sees some more of that blue goo stuff on the wall. Yeah, clearly the the, weapon that had, the BFG that got fired. Yeah, that, that The Rock had. And then he walks around the corner and sees Samantha, who's apparently injured, though I don't know how, how she got I injured. I don't know how she got injured. She's it, just been... It feels like we missed a scene in like the, They were missing a scene, but uh, it must have happened at the same time as the cool sequence, so yeah. we're not going to see it. It, it's, it, you know what it, feels it like should it, have been like when he walked in, he saw her getting injured. That's what yeah. it should have been, but we didn't or, see that. here's another thing. If if they were going to do this, what another interesting idea would have been like, uh, this is around the time of like the Animatrix coming out. Yeah. I feel like if this movie had gone off the ground really big, we would have gotten like a, sh- a cartoon short of what happened to her between when she her brother died and when her brother found her. Yeah. Like, I get that we could have got a cool cartoon shirt of her running through, like, shooting creatures and running. That's another thing. Like, they even had an opportunity to have her defend herself at the yeah. very minimum, shooting monsters and shit. We don't even get to see that. No. She <laughs> just, the next time we find her, she's laying on the ground going, oh, I'm yeah. hurt. <laughs> I can't walk. <laughs> so, uh, Reaper leans down and asks her if she's okay. She goes, I thought you were dead. He goes, not yet. And then he looks up and sees Sarge standing there, and he goes, I think she needs help. And Sarge has doing the, his twitchy thing. His twitchy thing, and he has the very noticeable scar on yeah. his neck. So clearly, he's going to be monsterfied. And he's being monsterfied as we speak. Yeah. And uh, he le- Reaper leans down to his sister and says, "Can you make it to the to the doors?" I think so. I think so. And then he, she starts crawling away. And then um, Sarge, they hear the the timer run out, and Sarge goes, "Why don't we go out and get some fresh air?" And then Reaper asks, "What happened to the civilians that the kid found?" And Sarge goes, "Oh, don't worry, I took care of that." Which implies he killed those women and children. Yeah, and, killed the children. And and I'm people. like, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, then. So we're not going to save anybody. <laughs> except except the two white people. Uh, the <laughs> white brother and sister. Except for the twins. Yeah. So um, Sarge creepy. says, let's, let's go out. One of the things I like that they did was that Sarge has been wearing these uh, fingerless gloves the yeah. whole movie. And as he's being monsterfied, he's growing a bit. So when he... His like, fists... He, he, he makes a fist and it like pops the knuckle parts of yeah. his his things to imply he's getting bigger, bigger. and stronger, which yeah. is a nice little touch. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, and then um, he goes, Reaper said, he, he turns to Reaper and he goes, because Reaper says, he says, let's go out, let's leave. Hmm. And Reaper says, um, I don't think so. Yeah. And then Sarge says, are you planning to shoot me? And Reaper goes, I was thinking about it. <laughs> How <laughs> much like, you got? Half huh? a clip? You, I have one one shot. One fucking round. With just one round. <laughs> and he pulls the trigger and blasts, and, and Carl Urban, because he's he's a Superman now, jumps out of the way. And yeah. then he starts shooting uh, the rock, and the rock keeps retreating to back to the portal area. Yeah. And once we're there, we get what is a really dumb Matrix brawl. Oh my god, it's funny. It, it is. It is too. We see Carl Carl Urban apparently at one point like can throw the rock into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. One of my favorite moments. Uh, is... Suspend your disbelief here. Yeah. 
Because remember, both of these guys... I do lose respect for you, Eric, for thinking that was ever a cool fight. Yeah. <laughs> I like the specifically the, the, the metal part we'll talk about in a second. I thought that was a that cool That was idea. cool, yeah. That's the part but that I like, like best. Overall. <laughs> so it, it's a little complicated to lay out. Basically, it's two super creatures versus each other and with military training. So it's going to be very Matrixy. Yeah. Uh, but it's also not staged by an by someone who obviously knows martial arts. So it's... Fight choreography. It's, it's basically just... They a, spent all their money on the military training. <laughs> yeah, it's a street brawl if you had superpowers. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Uh, the part I like best, the one that made me actually really like the sequence, is that at some point, um, Carl Urban, I believe, like The Rock is up like on a, a platform. Yeah. And he gets knocked off, and he grabs onto the railing, and the railing is this long, like metal fairly thing. thin metal wire or metal bar. Yeah. And he breaks it off, and he wraps, when he gets back up, he wraps it around his arm, like, a, until he's all the way up to his knuckles, and basically makes it into a brass knuckle set. Yeah. Which is really cool. And then he uses it to punch thing. And while this is happening, the rock is slowly but surely turning into a monster. Like, he's getting orc face back. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> cool, actually. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That part's kind of cool. It's all practical. The, the, they do, like, a, like makeup effects, and it's really good. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, the rock, like, bends out one of the bars, so it's now a spike, and he tries jabbing it into... Um, Carl Urban's face and that's when the glitchy computer because this whole place is messed up now says stand by standing by and that's the the, the teleporter yeah. so Carl Urban shoves the rock back activates the teleporter and then shoves the, the spike through his hand and then wraps it so he's holding the rock and then spins the rock around and throws him into the portal because the yeah. portal sucks you in and then spits you back out Yeah. <laughs> and it takes like five seconds for it to complete its process so he's holding the rock there uh, as he's about to be sucked back to Mars, and then he unwraps his hand while the rock is trying to pull himself out, and then lets go, and it <laughs> unsticks itself, and he flies through the portal to Mars. Mm. And then uh, Carl Urban takes out a grenade and says, I think the kid was right, Sarge. Go to hell. And he throws mm -hmm. the grenade. Which is supposed to be like a cool badass line, but it's kind yeah. of Cause it's, it's bad. Meant, <laughs> it's meant to be the culmination of, of Reaper's Basically, Reaper has been completely justified in his hatred of Mars because he says earlier he thinks it's hell, and now he's literally sent the rock to his hell. Yeah. And then he throws the grenade through, the grenade explodes, kill, blows up the rock, and I'm assuming most of the facility. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the scene uh, shifts to a, a slow fade up as Carl Urban is holding his sister, and he says, almost home, as they're going up the elevator. Yeah. And then it cuts to a really bad rock song over the, the credits. Yeah, it's a sucky song. Yeah. It's just so, really bad. <laughs> so all things being equal, this movie wasn't terrible. Um, I do hate the implications of it because... Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> well, not only is the genetically evil thing bad, and not only is um, there so little sci-fi in what is supposed to be a sci-fi movie, Yeah. Um, the fact that... You know, even if you can make the argument that they destroyed all the data, like maybe the, the sister just destroyed her the records she took, Carl Urban now has the G24 in him. And so what if they decide to, like, genetically... Dissect him or something. Yeah, or, like, like what if he's just like, I'm going to retire now, and they're like, okay, well, it's time for your medical exam. Yeah. Oh, shit. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. 
that that could be dangerous right yeah, there. Yeah, once it gets out. And, of course, his sister is a geneticist who knows about all this stuff, so both, neither of them is going to be able to walk away from this. How are they going to be debriefed about this? Yeah. Neither of them are going to be able to walk away. Neither, and that's not even putting aside the fact that there's a ton of mutant evil bodies currently in that the Ark facility at the bottom of that, that shaft. Yeah. Unless he set the base auto-destruct to go off after they got reached the surface. I know, There's right? a lot of loose threads for this particular story. Yeah, like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's there's still monsters and bodies down there, and they didn't blow up that facility, they just blew up Mars. Yeah. I do have to say, um, honestly, the, the, the aesthetic in this reminds me a bit of Mass Effect. It's one of the reasons I brought up Mass Effect Paragon Lost, because with the blue light everywhere and the military hardware, it looked a bit Mass Effect-y to me. And having said that, I realized that I would love to have Carl Urban in a Mass Effect movie. If they ever make a Mass Effect live-action movie, Carl Urban needs to be in it. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be yeah. cool. I'd also accept The Rock in it, but don't make him the bad guy. No, because he's not very good at bad guys, apparently. Well, he might do another bad guy at some point and do great. This was maybe, his first maybe. attempt. No, I mean, like, for his first attempt, it wasn't that great. Yeah. It's not that he was bad at acting bad. It's just, like, like his acting wasn't bad. It just wasn't... His bad acting was inexperienced in this particular regard. He yeah. was trying too hard to sell. He was trying to do, he was trying to, like, spread his wings, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, he was trying too hard to he sell. He did better in his previous movies than in this one, except for Mugger. <laughs> Sorry, Mugger was bad. <laughs> well, like I said, I think he's trying to, the problem is he's trying too hard to oversell Villainy. Evil, and There's that's just the some people that, like, when they first try to do villainy, they're not. He's a little, he's not quite, um. Uh, the guy from Dungeons and Dragons. I will control the. Oh, yeah, quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's not quite that level of campy. Not, he hasn't gone that far yet. He's not like, quite that level of campy. But over, I feel like if this movie continued on, he would have. <laughs> he's not quite that level of, of campy overacting. No. But it's a little more than he should have projected given that he was trying to do evil. Sadly, it wasn't as much dumb fun as I hoped it would be. No, it's not a bad movie, though. It's the not, practical effects are pretty good. I, I, the monster designs are kind of cool, yeah, but the I problem wish we is could the, see it better because yeah, I think the I lighting, like, the I, lighting screwed over those uh, practical effects. Yeah, I wish we could see the monsters better, and I wish we could see the sets better because I do think that for a sci-fi setting, it's not terrible. Yeah, like the design elements. I just wish we could see them better. Yeah, because they were showing the making of these practical effects, and the monsters in bright light look fucking amazing. Yeah. And like in harsh shadows, like overhead harsh shadow, like overhead red light would have done so much to make them legitimately frightening. Because they put like a bunch of pinks for the fleshy color, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that would have been great in red lighting. Yeah. But the problem is they used blue lighting. So Dark blue lighting. That's the problem. So you can't see shit. <laughs> if it was light, like almost white blue, yeah. like really light. Like when blue. she was dissecting the monster. Yeah. You and you could see it. It was disgusting and cool looking and yeah. just gross and. and Goopy, as a good dead body should be. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, like I said, not, not the best of The Rock's movies. I would say this is probably my second least favorite performance by The Rock that we've yeah. done so far. Uh, number one But is, it's not the worst movie. No, it's definitely better than it's Walking more, Tall. It's better than... It's um, more coherent than Be Cool. Yeah. Because um, at least I know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah, I would say overall this is not a terrible film. I, I do think that it's... It's, you're, you're right, it's somewhere between a 5 and a 7 out of 10. Yeah. It's not great, but if you like sci-fi movies, 
and you haven't played the Doom games. If you've played the Doom games, this is going to aggravate you. Yeah, because you're probably like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Oh, that tongue-in-cheek reference is an asshole thing for me, because what the fuck? They did do, a, from what I can tell, a fairly, aside from the zombies, they did a pretty good job of actually adapting the monster designs, from what I can tell. Some so, of them, yeah. Some of them. So if you want to see them in real life, quote-unquote, like practical designs of those monsters, it might get a kick out of that. Yeah. But the actual story and setting are so different that it really should be its own movie. Yeah, if it, like I said, if it, it like we both said, if it had been like a sci-fi original movie with the same production and everything, same it was cast, just like same writing. different name of, and the movie had a completely different name, had nothing to do with Doom, it would have been... G24 or Gene 24. Yeah. It would have been fine. Like, it would have been a lot better received, I guess you could say. I mean, it wouldn't have been great. It wouldn't have been like all-time Hall of Fame lost classic, but no. I don't think people would have hated it as much. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I, I do, like I said, I know we've bashed The Rock a bit in this. I'm not trying to make it sound like he's a bad actor. I liked him at the start. Yeah, he was actually pretty good at the start. It's when he starts having to go darker Evil? and darker that he doesn't quite hit it. And I think it's just because he's trying too hard. Yeah. It's not dark... It, it, the his lack of emotion would have sold him being evil more than him being overly stressed. Yeah, um, in my opinion, because in my opinion, evil boils down to how much you're willing to do for others. Yeah. And in this case, if he wasn't willing to do any work that wasn't specifically required by his contract, by the the assignment he was given, the fact that he didn't care about saving those people, if he was just like completely aloof about it, so what if there's women and children? I'm not. I'm not being paid to rescue them. I'm enti- at this point. Uh, search and destroy is allowed, so we're going to do that because it's the easiest solution. Yeah. Um, that would and him just not. Caring. We don't know who's going to be good or evil, so why does it matter? Yeah. So just kill them all. It's simpler. Like looking for the simple solution over the slightly harder but more innocent people come out alive solution. Yeah. And being aloof about that would have sold his evil a lot better than his overly stressness. So uh, anyway, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, if you really like Doom, I wouldn't recommend this. But if you're a sci-fi fan or an action movie fan. Or a rock fan, I would say this is an okay movie to watch. It's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. And if you like Carl Urban, I think... Yeah, this is probably one of his good early performances. Yeah. I, I, he does a lot to elevate this movie. Yeah, I he say... literally... I, I I joked while we were watching, all the five stars that it got is because of Carl Urban, and Eric's like, it's 5.2 stars. I'm like, oh, the two star, point two stars is from everything else. <laughs> well, I would say... <laughs> What for what little they were given, most of the side characters are pretty good. The I know, kid, I know. I was doing a joke. <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying by the end of it, I cared about Duke. I cared about the kid. Yeah. Uh, I would say Goat, even though he dies fairly early, is the first one to die, actually has a pretty good arc for his character yeah. regarding his especially when you find out about his genetic evilness. <laughs> and, know, right? Um I even like Destroyer a lot. I mean, as goofy yeah. as his fight was, I was rooting for him. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's the guy with the big fucking gun. Yeah. <laughs> Before, you know, the big fucking gun came up, you know? (laughs) So, um, like I said, if you're a sci-fi fan and you've never seen this, if you're an action movie fan, specifically action sci-fi. If you like sci-fi films from (laughs) Seafy. And if you're a Carl Urban fan and haven't seen this movie, I would recommend it, but I can't say it's great beyond that. No, it's not great, no. (laughs) So that's it for this week. Um, Next week we're going to do something a little different uh, because we did a movie based on a video game franchise starring The Rock. We decided that next week we're going to do a video game 
Because this is a based video, off a movie. No, that that was supposed to be based off a movie that never happened. Yeah. That is also part of a video game franchise. <laughs> yeah. It actually came out within ten days of the move of Southland Tales, from what I understand, because Southland Tales premiered at um, yeah. uh, uh, the International uh, Film Festival, yeah. Independent Film Festival. Uh, but and it actually came out first, but we thought this flowed a little bit better. Yeah. Going from a video game, a movie based on a video game, to a video, a new a video game starring The Rock that was supposed to be a movie, too. It, I think it's interesting. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's also supposed to be like eight to ten hours of gameplay, so we can get through it in one day and then. Yeah, we'll we'll start on it like early. Yeah, we'll start on it like Thursday and then yeah. and then record it next week and finish it next week or something. Uh, if, if you we want have, to, we'll, we'll see what you it, have. It depends on what time. We, it's because I have a full-time job. Yeah, if you have a couple days off next week, like if you have two days off in a row and you don't have something to do on one of those days, yeah. we'll start one day and if we don't finish it, we'll finish it I the next day and record. I think I have Tuesday and Thursday off. Alright, well whatever. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the meantime, um, we hope you all stay safe. Uh, mm-hmm. After, after, by the way, it's Spy Hunter is the name is the movie is the game we're gonna play. oh yeah we forgot to say the name <laughs> um spy hunter nowhere to run i believe is the subtitle you can look it up if you want i've heard it's cheesy i've heard it's really i've seen a couple of cutscenes of it and it's really cheesy i can't I wait yeah um uh, you, i've heard it, it really pisses off spy hunter fans much like this pisses off doom fans but you know we'll i don't fucking care <laughs> we'll see how it plays um <laughs> Uh, the next, so that's next week, then the week after that we're doing Southland Tales, and then the week after that, if everything goes the way we're hoping, we're going to do a special, special treat for you guys, it has nothing to do with The Rock. Uh, but that's, that's coming up, we're going to have a couple of weird episodes, followed by, uh, a really weird episode, followed by normal episodes again, I guess. Uh, he uh, won't let me look anything up for Southland Tales. No, I want you completely clean for this. Um, <laughs> so that's it for everything, I hope you guys enjoyed our review, I hope you guys enjoy your day, I hope you guys are staying safe. Yep. Uh, this is uh, and another shout out to Dead Bat, just because why the hell not? Uh, this is one of your hosts, Eric. This is Megan. And uh, you guys stay safe out there and join us again next week for more rock starring. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs>